Welcome to episode 159 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the all the motorsports you want edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. A very busy show here this week. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, the former iRacing Indy 500 champion, a computer genius, a gentleman, and a scholar. His name is Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. Uh, it's great to be back on the show for another week, and you know, of course, we've got a lot of racing to talk about and. Uh, IndyCar and F1 made their 2023 uh, debut, and I think both of those races had some pretty unexpected results, um, even if the winners in one of those might have been pretty expected. So, yeah, definitely a lot to talk about. And, of course, uh, NASCAR was pretty interesting as well uh, across all three series. So, yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah, definitely a lot to go over. Last week was a season opener for IndyCar at St. Petersburg. Also, the Formula One opener at Bahrain and uh, NASCAR was at Las Vegas for a triple header. We'll uh, dive into all three of those first before we get into a packed GSP roundup, which saw Formula 2 and Formula 3 open their seasons at Bahrain as well. World Superbikes ran back-to-back weeks there at Mandalika. Uh, Indy Next um, started their season, what was known as Indy Lights, at St. Pete. And then we have three season openers this coming week. The NHRA Gator Nationals, one Anthony Wayne Stewart was running last week at the Baby Gators, and now he's running at the actual Gators in top alcohol drag. So we'll get in a little bit of that. NHRA with the pro and sportsman categories. Extreme E, a lot of driver changes coming into this season and uh, format changes for their races. So a little bit to get into there. And then, of course, supercars, the Gen 3 formula debuts at newcastle uh this week this weekend and then i'd be remiss to miss the uh daytona supercross as well ama supercross which uh which is more more of the same kind of similar to the season so far but we will get into that as well prior to making our picks for and previewing phoenix for cup and xfinity Josh will get into all things sim racing on his sim segment, and then we will close the deal. But first, let us uh, get into the IndyCar Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, uh, which was interesting from the from the drop of the green flag. Uh, there was carnage. There was lots of lots of action and activity. Some activity that I'm sure certain people want didn't want to see. Uh, mainly Michael Andretti. Um, that was a very brutal, it was a brutal day for him, uh, as a team owner, uh, with all the wrecks and stuff that took place. And so, but out of all of that, there was a battle that we have seen previously last May, uh, which saw Pato Award and the eventual winner, Marcus Erickson battling for the victory. Pato Award was out front, uh, trying to hold on, hold on to the lead. After making a great what as, as was the last restart of the race, um, and made an error uh, coming to three laps to go, coming off of the final hairpin, uh, supposedly either had a they said it was either vapor lock or he hit James Hinchcliffe was basically on it. He hit his uh, pit road speed limiter, and it basically shut the car down to where he was at forty miles an hour or whatever it was. And uh, Erickson passes him and gets his first opens the season with a victory gets uh his fourth career indycar series win 
Three of them have been on street courses, and it's only the second time that Ganassi's ever won at St. Petersburg. Of course, Scott Dixon yet again falls short, but his teammate wins. Uh, he finished on in third. Uh, the sandwich was uh, Pato Award, very disappointed. And Alexander Rosti, his teammate, goes and finishes fourth to um, make two two uh, Ganassi cars and then two uh, McLaren cars to start the the season. And then Callum Eilat with an amazing fifth-place run uh, for Junkos Hollander and then Green Rehaul. From that, so Ilot started 22nd, finished fifth. Ray Hall, 20th to sixth. Will Power, the defending series champion, finished uh, seventh after being in the back of the field at one point. Um, there was, uh, let's see, who else here? Alex Pillow, former series champion as well. Christian Lundgaard, David Malukas uh, round out the top 10. There were uh, 12 cars on the lead lap. Defending race winner Scott McLaughlin finished 13th a lap down after getting into an incident with uh, the guy he was racing with. It was basically him and Roman Grosjean, the pole sitter for this race, that were battling for the victory for the majority of the day. But in the end, a little bit of argy-bargy between the two of them, uh, Ended up uh, costing costing him it costing McLaughlin a chance at a back to back victory, and then Roman Grosjean a chance to win his first career IndyCar race. A lot went on. Uh, the top three guys who led the three guys that led the most laps are all frustrated after this race and have to wait basically a month till Texas. Uh, but Marcus Erickson ends up leading four laps. And he led the three that mattered the last three. And those are the three that mattered most in the end. Gets a great start to his 2023 campaign with a victory. Uh, was very, uh, I mean, Andretti had a lot of pace early in the weekend. They had two cars in the fast six. Penske did have pace somewhat with, um, with Scott McLaughlin. Power was a little bit off. And then Newgarden surprisingly wasn't really a factor the whole entire weekend, which was, I didn't see that coming, but, uh, Josh, uh, I mean, a lot went on. I mean, we, and I didn't even get into some of the crazy accidents like the first lap accident, which, uh, saw Benjamin Peterson, Arca, Arca drive right through Devlin DeFrancesco and send him into a, into a spin and a flying spin or whatever. Uh, root beer float head going in, triggering the crash, nailing Elio Castro dash Neves. And then, uh, all the other guys got into it. Uh, it was the initial cause start was Felix Rosenquist and, uh, the other McLaren car and Scott Dixon going in wheel banging in that little section in between one and three turns two and three. And that was a chain reaction that caused one, the first of many incidents that took place yesterday. There were only 15 or 16 cars running at the end of this this race. Um, Kyle Kirkwood took off over the back of Jack Harvey's car. And uh, I'm forgetting, and Renus VK was involved in that accident as well. Uh, issues for Colton Herta, he got run over by Will Power. Um, so there was just tons of carnage, tons of action. And the end of the race was also... 
uh, quite interesting as well. But Marcus Erickson goes out there, uh, the sneaky Swede, does it again, um, and starts his 2023 campaign with a victory, Josh. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a surprising result there uh, at the end with Marcus Erickson. But, you know, he was in contention throughout the, you know, throughout the race. Uh, you know, was up there containing in you know the top eight uh, for you know most of the entire race until um, you know until the end when he managed to be in uh, the catbird seat uh, and capitalize on Pato Ward's mistake. But uh, so I think from that end, you know, I don't think any of us had Marcus Erickson pick uh, to win this race. Obviously, you know, we I picked a word and you picked McLaughlin, and I think both of those were pretty on point you know for the most part um of course mclaughlin uh and grosjean got into it uh there uh and caused a lot of drama but you know i think um award is definitely a valid pick uh but in just didn't have the i guess capacity at the end to be able to finish the race and uh ended up making a mistake hitting the pit road limiter and suddenly slowing down the car uh to get the you know to lose the race which i think for award that's uh probably going to look back on that and at the end of the season and depending on how the championship goes for him you know if he loses the championship might look back and say damn i really wish we would have gotten that win that might have been could have been the difference you know between a championship and you know uh, finishing second or even finishing third in the championship so um that's going to be something to look at here as we go forward throughout the rest of the season. But uh, right now, um, you know, just have to put it behind him and continue on. But um, yeah, Erickson, Indy 500 winner now goes uh, and kicks off the season with a a win. So uh, now he can go into uh, Texas here in a couple weeks and uh, get back to, you know, oval racing and um, maybe see, pick up back onto his form that we saw at the end of, at, you know, at Indianapolis last year and you know maybe he starts off kind of like you know Scott McLaughlin did last year when you know McLaughlin uh could have had a chance at winning the first two races of the year so we'll see if that happens but yeah I mean this race was wild from the start like you said uh first lap accident of course uh Rosenquist and Dixon make contact and get into it and um I mean it was an unfortunate deal there and then of course uh Ferrucci, I mean, I think really it was just a stack up there. Ferrucci spun out uh, Castro Nevis, and then um, they all kind of made crash and made contact. Uh, Simon Pagino got eliminated in that one as well, you know, along with um, Jack Harvey, and or not, yeah, uh, yeah, Jack Harvey was in that one, I think, in um, or he's in the other one, and then uh, Ferrucci, of course. But yeah, just a unfortunate first lap accident there, and. You know, I think throughout the weekend they had shown through practice and you know even qualifying. Turn three was pretty tricky. Uh, they just re- uh, surfaced the streets in that area, so um, I think you know even if that accident didn't happen, we were going to see a lot of things happen uh, in that coming out of that corner uh, just from the way cars were handling that section of the track uh, throughout the weekend. But uh, I think it was just a chain reaction that first accident. Uh, can't really. I mean, I'm not going to say you know. I mean, of course you fault uh Ferrucci there but um I think you know it was just a, a huge stack up there um and just a chain reaction accident and of course Peterson yeah don't like to see that but I mean you can tell in the video he was slammed the brakes uh you know at the end but you know still got into DeFrancesco and pure him into the air and everything so yeah 
bad bad look there. Um, glad that all the drivers got out okay, although uh, Elio had a bit of a limp coming out of the car, and he looked like he was kind of wincing uh, his right wrist. So we'll see in the coming days, like, if anything comes out of that. But that might be something to look out for later on. And then, you know, of course, uh, you know, later on in that race, or, you know, shortly after, I mean, we, we saw uh, Rena's VK uh, and then Jack Harvey in that accident and uh, Kirkwood get into it as well. And then, of course, Kirkwood, I mean, he had a good run in that race, too. He was up there in the top five, and then I think he just got got behind. And then, of course, that accident happens, and he goes over the top of uh, Harvey and, and VK there. So that, I mean, those two um, accidents there, you have a car uh, leaving the track, going into the air. Not not normally a thing you see at a, a street race, but, you know, of course, uh, open-wheel design, there's always certainly a possibility that a car could project over another car, you know, with wheels touching and everything. So uh, it could happen, but, you know, definitely not like not like something that you want to see at a, at a race uh, regardless. Uh, um, and, of course, Kirkwood, I mean, that's a pretty heavy impact going on landing and uh, like that and destroyed, you know, the front suspension and front wing uh, on that car. And uh, unlike Marcus Erickson a couple years ago at Nashville, um, just didn't have the, uh, you know, handling after that to really continue on. Of course, had too much damage there. So, uh, yeah, of course, not what you want to see. But that was, you know, of course, another dramatic scene. And I think most dramatically the accident that I think defined the race was uh, the accident between McLaughlin and uh, Grosjean fighting for the win uh, after their pit sequence lap 72 and uh, you know I think that was just a case of two guys trying to go for the win and not showing a lot of uh, patience and you know not showing giving each other a lot of room uh, even with uh, still a little bit of time left in that race uh, of course, I think they knew whoever got out in front would probably likely win. And uh, Grosjean just barely uh, got behind, uh, or, or McLaughlin got barely in front of, uh, of Grosjean there, going in, into uh, the uh, after the pit stop exit, going into the you know turn turn five, six, and seven, uh, you know section of that track, turn four, and just um, you know both of them going for the same spot really and. Uh, they both got into it, into the tires. So, yeah, just a, a unfortunate sequence of events there, and both of them get into it. And, I mean, McLaughlin is able to continue on there. Grosjean eliminated from the race. And I think for uh, Roman, I think he probably could have uh, backed out of it instead of, like, trying to maintain the outside because I think that section there is really hard for two cars to go side by side uh, in that corner. And so I think... Just from that section alone, you probably could have backed out of it and gotten behind him, um, and maybe tried something. You know, after getting through, you know, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, and trying to go for something down turn ten while uh, McLaughlin's still trying to warm up the tires. I think maybe that was the opportunity there. But um, of course, you know, you see the opportunity to get out in front of him. You know, you got to take it and and uh, hope for the best. And fortunately, uh, or unfortunately for. Uh, Romani just um, ran out of racetrack and they both got into the wall. So, I mean, that was pretty dramatic there. And um, first race of the year already, you see two leaders um, crashing out on, you know, fighting for the win. Uh, it's pretty exciting. 
uh, I guess, from the entertainment value of it. So definitely a race where a lot of things happen during uh, the event. And I think, you know, for the entertainment standpoint, you know, if you're attending the race uh, or watching on TV, I think that's definitely uh, something, uh, you know, for IndyCar um, as far as, you know, trying to get attention. You know, they're building up uh, marketing for this and, uh, they've got the documentary going on leading up into the 500 and, you know, trying to kind of compete with Formula One. I think, you know, this was the type of race that they probably needed uh, in terms of that. You, know, you had all of that, of course, the uh, late, you know, mistake with award. I think that also for, you know, the entertainment value uh, also brings attention there. So yeah, you definitely had a lot of that uh, this weekend. And I think, you know, throughout the course of the season, um, you know, I think we'll see a lot of competitiveness and, just, uh, you know, from the amount of things that happened in this race, I think we could see uh, later on this season. So, yeah, definitely a lot of things happened in this race, but, you know, I did not, definitely did not think that it would happen uh, like that here at St. Petersburg. Yeah, definitely a lot of action uh, this weekend, a lot of wrecks, even prior to the race itself, two wrecks by, uh, I mean, you mentioned Kirkwood in qualifying and then Scotty, also and um and new garden too new garden had issues pagino had issues in qualifying peterson wrecked in practice um i mean there is a lot of action not a lot of grip uh the new uh green uh i guess a uh, reun renewable uh tire that they have i can't pronounce the name of it and i'm not really going to try at least for a few weeks um uh, they um it didn't seem to have i guess that was what brought willpower back into the race and but it really wasn't something a lot of people were using for a long period of time so we will see how that all goes and some of the things that will come from this race there's already stories out about the amount of carnage and how much it costs for these teams you look at the likes of andretti autosport and meyer shank foyt uh you know the uh, after that, I mean, some of these others were were like one car. Yeah, Andretti Autosport really got annihilated because Herta, Grosjean, DeFrancesco all knocked out, and then um, yeah, and Kirkwood also were Kirkwood took an took an air airborne ride there too. So I mean, just a crazy race. But the unfortunate byproduct of all that is we have to wait a month until the next one um i think that we have to look at the the rival a little bit of a rivalry albeit it's i don't think there is one in terms of like aggro between drivers but now paddle award has lost two races to marcus erickson and in both of those cases he thought he had a chance to win those um and he feels like one got away i'm sure you have scott dixon up there just sneakily doing Scott Dixon things while the Penske struggled. He didn't qualify bad either. He qualified ahead of willpower. Uh, so he had a top 10. He made the Firestone Fast 12, which I think they mentioned during the weekend that they were focused on improving qualifying. And looks like it did work because even their rookie teammate, Marcus Armstrong, was just outside of the Fast 12. And then... Um, I'm trying to think of yeah, and Alex Pillow. Yeah, they were they were fourth, eighth, ninth, and thirteenth. So I mean, good job by them. And uh, I would say credit to Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, considering how bad the weekend started for them. Lundgaard did make the fast twelve. 
Ray Hall was nowhere, but was able to make something out of it in the race. Callum Eilat showing the talent and ability that had him as a Formula One test and reserve driver at one point, but wasn't ever going to really advance. Now he's in an Indy car. And I would think that for teams that have openings, the likes of Ganassi or whoever, I, I'm because we assume that Pelot is going to go to McLaren. Um, I think Eilat is somebody people are going to look at, along with Renus VK and a couple other people. But credit to his teammate, Augustin Canapino, a 33-year-old rookie touring car driver for many years of his career, and now jumping in an open-wheel car. Kept it clean, kept it simple, and gets a finish. I mean, that's all you can really ask for. He did a great job this weekend. Uh, really just kept his nose, he just did what he had to do. Kept his nose out of the the real bad stuff and got something out of it. Andretti Autosport, we mentioned earlier, they have a lot of speed. There's a lot of potential with that team. Now it's going to come with a lot of volatility as well. Uh, but it there's there is a wide berth. It could be they could come back to being the Andretti Autosport of yesteryear when they won a lot, or it's just going to be a lot more bills for Michael Andretti to pay uh, because they wrecked a lot of race cars. We'll get more into it as uh, they come back for Texas here in a few weeks' time. But it's, I mean, I think it's disappointing that, that they won't be running for so long. But that's IndyCar for you. I'll get into Bar- Bahrain and uh, the Grand Prix of Bahrain, which saw Fish Lips win again, which is absolutely shocking to nobody. I think we both picked him. And, um, you know, he, that was, I think, his 30-something win of his career or some crap. Um, so that was, uh, I'm curious, uh, kind of, I'll just go and do it this way. Um, so I'm going to go this way and do it. And then uh, Verstappen took off with with ease and uh, and he, he from, from, what is it, he was on pole, uh, in qualifying, they'd kind of been quiet during the day or during the weekend and just were sneaking up on it. And then in qualifying, uh, party mode came out and uh, he qualified. He was like three, four tenths up on the rest of the field. That wasn't his teammate, Sergio Perez. Uh, Perez kind of got eaten up in, in the initial start. Uh, he saw We saw the likes of Charles Leclerc up there. You saw... Um, the Mercedes up there, but I think the bigger story of the entire weekend was one Fred Alonso and an Aston Martin and his um, teammate Lance Stroll. Uh, they uh, were, I mean, Stroll, I don't think is a hundred percent, but he still was able to get in the fi- the fast, uh, the third round of qualifying and then get a points finish. But Fernando Alonso went out there, didn't have the greatest start, or else we could have probably seen him in a position to finish second in this uh, Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, so that's that's something, uh, to say the least. I mean, 36 career win and uh, 21 poles and 21 fastest laps. So uh, he's moving up that, that wins uh, chart in uh, for all time. I mean, right now, his next target is Ayrton Senna, which he'll... There's a chance this year if he goes and puts on another what 15, he could if he wins another 15 races this year. 
like he did last year, which if you ask George Russell, it's already out there on race racer.com that he says that the championship's already over. Um, he would be right at 50 wins. So he needs 17. Well, what is it? He started this year with 35 victories. So he would need 18 victories this year to tie Sebastian Vettel and then be third tied for third all time. I think based on what he showed yesterday, I would venture to say that there's a better likelihood of that happening than some other uh, things happening. Uh, it was Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Fernando Alonso, Carlos Sainz, and Lewis Hamilton finishing fifth. Perez less was behind uh, the margin victory was just under 12 seconds. Um, Alonso third. 38.6 seconds, signs 48 seconds, and Lewis Hamilton 50, nearly 51 seconds behind. Uh, Lance Stroll, George Russell, the top seven. Valtteri Botas, Pierre Gasly, and Alex Albon for Williams gets a point. Yuki Sonoda, the last car on the lead lap. Logan Sargent was one lap down. I think that happened late in the race, but he was he had, he made a great start and was fighting with different drivers and looked apart and uh, we'll get into that in a little bit but I mean it, we we said that um, Verstappen was going to win um, the ease by which he did it is probably a very bad sign for everybody else on the grid unless you are Fernando Alonso there Josh I mean yeah it's um, already for Red Bull uh, dominating performance uh, to start off the year so uh, yeah, I mean, credit to Red Bull for putting out a good race car and compared to everybody else. And, uh, I mean, Verstappen just continues to uh, dominate, picking up right off where he left off last year. And uh, so we'll see uh, how it goes for him continuing on later in the season. And, of course, you know, Perez had to do a little bit of work, so it wasn't uh, completely a perfect day for him. But, yeah, at the end of the day, he ends up in second behind his teammates. So 1-2 uh, for Red Bull and yeah, they start off about as perfectly uh, from a results standpoint as you can. So there's that. And then I think, you know, of course, I think the big surprise, big uh, story, of course, uh, Alonso finishing in, uh, on the podium, which, yeah, obviously, I mean, we didn't expect that to happen. Um, I mean, obviously, with our picks, we picked Russell and Hamilton to finish in third uh, in this race. And we also picked uh, Charles Leclerc to uh, be in second, which, you know, for a while, uh, Ferrari uh, and Carlos Sainz, you know, they were up there for a bit, uh, but uh, they obviously, with Charles Leclerc continuing the failure, you know, the issues that he had from last year with uh, the motor, they continues to something continues to happen to him. So off, already off to uh, a bad start in terms of uh, misfortune for Leclerc, and then Saint or Carlos Sainz uh, faltered. Uh, you know, towards the end of the race uh, after uh, the safety car for his teammate and uh, ended up getting uh, eaten alive by uh, Fernando Alonso uh, towards the end of the race. But, yeah, I mean, the uh, Aston Martins, you know, they've had a lot of speed as of late, and you know, we've been talking about them uh, in the you know lead-up to this uh, first Grand Prix, and, you know, they had a lot of pace and testing. And then, of course, uh, Stroll um, had, you know, his cycling accident and had uh, – you know, his injuries and everything. So there's the question of whether he'd even be able to compete. And, you know, he answered those questions by um, doing well in qualifying and then going out uh, and 
uh, getting a sixth place finish and, you know, finishing ahead of one of the Mercedes. So yeah, pretty good result for uh, him to start the year. And then of course, Alonso looking kind of like the Alonso of old, uh, you know, going out and fighting uh, and having a good car, fighting Lewis Hamilton for position uh, and making, I mean, it took him a couple laps to officially get around him, but of course, um, you know, he managed to get around and have a, you know, good run on the outside of uh, Hamilton, and you know he goes out and uh, passes uh, uh, Carlos Sainz as well. And so, yeah, that was a I'm pretty impressive uh, run there for Alonso. And so I think now my question is for uh, Aston Martin: is can they can they keep that pace going forward uh, in this season, or is this just um, a one time result? Um, I mean, I think at least for now, I think you know you can see them. Uh, you know, the next couple of races, I, you know, they can definitely be uh, competitive, but yeah, you know, I think, you know, going, going forward into, uh, you know, next, you know, they will be at Saudi Arabia and then they'll be at Melbourne. So in Australian Grand Prix. Uh, so, uh, first couple of races, you know, as teams still kind of work things out, um, and, you know, figure things out, can they, can they keep that momentum and, uh, you know, maintain their, ability to finish in you know the top half of the points uh get a podium here or there uh, i think that's now a goal for uh aston martin and i think you know alonso i think he's going to be able be able to uh, do that and so i think we're going to see a lot of of that here uh early on in the season so yeah pretty impressive of course he was uh um voted as uh, driver of the day on f1 twitter so and i think he deserved it too i mean it, he was obviously the um putting on a show, um, and which probably wouldn't have been anything else if, uh, you know, if he didn't do that, then obviously the only thing we'd be talking about is, uh, Verstappen and, and the Ferrari, uh, woes that they had. So, uh, yeah, I mean, credit to, uh, Alonso for, um, being able to do that and, uh, making it entertaining. So, um, and he actually gets his 99th podium. So now, now he has to try and get his 100th podium here coming up, which, you know, is obviously, it's a lot of podiums and, you know, pretty impressive numbers. So, um, yeah, I mean, Lonzo looking more like a 21 year old instead of a 41 year old driver. So, uh, we'll see if he's able to continue that there. And then of course, going back to Ferrari, um, yeah, I mean, continue the, uh, the struggles that they had last year, really, when you look at the, uh, results of it and, um, got to wonder what they uh, need to do to um, give Leclerc a reliable car. Otherwise, it's going to be a same exact repeat of last year uh, in this you know in this race. And then um, Carlos Sainz uh, couldn't really hold off Alonso there at the end. So uh, yeah, I think um, they got to go back a little bit, uh, you know, back to where before they started the race and you know see how they can uh, finish uh, races and. Of course, Leclerc, uh, he's supposed to be their top guy. And, um, you know, he's up there for a lot of the race, of course, but, um, you know, didn't finish race having an engine issue. So definitely they need to go back and make sure that they give him a reliable engine, give him a reliable car. Otherwise, yeah, be a struggle here this season for uh, Ferrari, which is what they don't want to see after um, what they went through last year in the last couple of years. And they've kind of changed their uh, leadership, their management, their uh, team principal. So definitely want to see them improve, but, um, for now it's uh, definitely a struggle. And I think Mercedes, uh, obviously they're slow right now. Um, you know, Hamilton was the better of the two between him and Russell and, uh, you know, Hamilton, uh, for a moment there, I mean, he was fighting off Alonso, but Alonso managed to find a way around him, like I said earlier. So, 
yeah, they've been slow. And then, uh, you know, Russell wasn't able to really um, battle against uh, Lance Stroll there throughout the race. So yeah, they definitely have a lot to improve, I think. And obviously, uh, Lewis um, mentioned that they still have a lot of work to do. And, you know, already George Russell, like you said earlier, is already conceding, which, you know, I don't think you want to see that, you know, starting out the year. I mean, obviously, we know it's uh, tough to win and everything, but, you know, I can't, um, I feel like you admit that publicly that, you know, it's already going to be a um, struggle with Red Bull having already won the championship uh, like that first race of the year. Um, maybe that's not the type of mentality to have. Uh, certainly more positive looking outlook. I mean, it might be realistic, but I feel like, you you know, as a driver and as a team, you want to be able to uh, believe in yourselves, I guess, and, you know, be able to um, improve upon uh, the results. So, uh, I mean, Russell, solid driver so far in his career, and um, yeah, I think he can continue to improve and um, be more consistent. But yeah, I think you know they they still have a lot of work to do in terms of speed for uh, Mercedes, and I think um, it shows this weekend just how how much work they still have to do in um, in terms of pace. And obviously, they had the issues last year with the porpoising, and and that's maybe not an issue now, but now they have to fix the speed. So. Toto Wolf got a lot of work cut out for him to be able to give his two guys a better race car that they can go out and at least compete uh, more consistently for podiums and you know even wins if they're able to ever get to Red Bull's level this year. So we'll see. So yeah, I think this weekend, um, solid Grand Prix uh, in terms of you know Alonso and Ferrari drama, but otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean it's nothing really that took place other than you know Verstappen going out and spanking the field. Yeah, and it was basically expected, but, you know, then seeing it happen kind of just uh, stinks. But uh, unless you're part of that army of his. And then, um, I mean, I went to the gym. I He was already up seven seconds. I think it was 11 laps into the race, and he was seven, seven and a half seconds ahead. I'm like, all right, so I didn't miss anything. And then I got back in the car, and the race is over. So, uh Alonzo all happy and stuff and of course with his buddy there we're stopping on the podium I'm curious what'll happen if those two actually get into a head-to-head battle um what might happen there that might be something um uh, yeah Leclerc blowing an engine having to replace two power unit uh pieces prior to the race that are li- very limited and then having that engine failure uh is a very bad sign uh while running up front too um McLaren finished with the last finisher and Lando Norris two laps down and Oscar Piastri retiring 13 laps into the race. So a complete nightmare scenario for them. Uh, Esteban Ocon had about 800 penalties yesterday uh, and it was a bad weekend in general for, for Alpine considering um, I mean, Ocon was ninth and in the end Gasly swapped with him. Gasly ended up starting dead last um, and they yeah, essentially swap spots. Um, I mean, the like I mentioned about Logan Sargent, he almost got in a Q2. Um, Albon did get in a Q2, didn't bother to run. Um, but I think for Williams, are going to pick their spots here this year. And I, do, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Logan Sargent to score a point this year. I think it is entirely possible. Uh, he's a much better driver than uh, Nicholas Latifi. I also believe that, you know, they made incremental improvements to the car, albeit it's the worst car on the grid, 
Um, you know, and, but potential is there. It's good to see. Um, we'll see what he can do at Saudi here in a couple of weeks' time. Um, that's uh, You just want to see him continue to learn. The rookie battle looks a lot more wide open than I thought it was going to be because the Alpha Tori is not very good either. And, um, and of course, with Oscar Piastri, the McLaren team, if there's one team that's as bad off with their whatever targets that they're trying to hit, um, other than Mercedes, it's McLaren. And then, I mean, Ferrari's Ferrari, of course. And Ferrari, Mercedes probably are the two worst cars on tires. So then when they're running at rougher racetracks, then they're going to be at a disadvantage to the Red Bull and, and Aston Martin, which I'm probably, which if we start looking at them closely, I'm going to assume they just copied the Red Bull, which is that's what Stroll F1 always seems to do. So um, I'm, I'll give credit to uh, Sebastian Vettel because I think he had some bits and pieces to do with this. And I think it would have been pretty cool to see Vettel in this car doing work, uh, going and trying to beat his old team. But instead, he's in retirement now. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned all the points. I mean, Hulk, can, yeah, that was in qualifying. Hulkenberg started 10th, but dropped like an anchor. Uh, the Constructors Championship right now, uh, standings, uh, sees Red Bull up by 20 points on Aston Martin. Aston Martin is seven points ahead of Mercedes and 11 ahead of Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, Alpine, and Williams. Four, two, and one points respectively. Alpha Tori, Haas, and McLaren are 8th through 10th. None of them, of course, scored uh, this past weekend, but they will have a chance to do so in Saudi Arabia in two weeks' time. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Cup. We're getting in a NASCAR now, and uh, that is uh, Wheat Toast, uh, William Byron, Cardboard Box, William Byron, going and dominating in a what worked out to be a Hendrick Motorsports one through three. Um, I mean, that was that was pretty hard to watch yesterday uh, in general in the Pennzoil 400. But I think the bigger story, I guess we should lead with this. They did finish one through three, but the one guy that was missing is the most popular driver in the sport when William Clyde Elliott II, uh, he got hurt snowboarding broke his leg we don't know how long he's gonna be out when you started hearing all the news trickling out there josh that it started i just kept on going back to kyle bush and he missed i think three or four months or something he missed 13 races or some something like that he missed 13 races got a waiver won a couple times or whatever it was in the regular season got himself into the playoff no problem and then went on to win the 2015 championship I forget, I, I have to go and look back on who he was running against in that 2015 championship. Uh, I'm not sure if that he was, was the running against Logano. Uh, he was running against Logano, Jeff Gordon, and Truex. Okay, yeah, all right. So uh, Jeff Gordon, that was his final race of his full-time cup career. Martin Truex, that was his... That was the first year at furniture. The second year at Furniture Row. That was his first year with Cole Pern. Uh, but they weren't really didn't really have a lot of pace by that point of the season. It was basically Kyle Busch versus Logano, and Kyle Busch had more. I have that one wrong because Logano got eliminated 
Oh, he got eliminated by Matt Kenseth. That's no, it was right. Harvick, Harvick, and Gordon, and Truex, and Bush. Yeah. Oh yeah, so it was basically Harvick versus Kyle Busch in that spot. Um, Jeff Gordon kind of really wasn't a main factor, uh, and yeah, Kyle Busch had the pace. So he won that race, and he won his first career championship. Um, but I kind of feel like that's a similar way this is going to go, as long as he can recover to a similar extent, or that the injuries aren't as bad, or, or, or at a similar level to what Kyle Busch suffered back what is it now, eight years ago at Daytona in a Xfinity wreck. Uh, but we don't know. I'm not sure he did have surgery. We'll see what happens. Uh, the Josh Berry had m- multiple issues with his car yesterday and finished 29th. But I think he did did about as well as he could have given the circumstances, given the lack of time he's really spent in a, in a, in a Gen 7 car. Um, hopefully he gets another shot. Um, I'm personally of the, of the, the people that want to see him run more races and let him run at tracks that he's very good at, like Martinsville or, uh, Bristol or Richmond or whatever, you know, like run smaller tracks, flatter track, let him run this weekend. Why not? Um, Hendrick's good at Phoenix. He had, he got in the final four. You know, I mean, I think it would be a good opportunity to let him run another race here. I don't know who they're going to find that's going to be better, really, than Josh Berry. Who are you going to get? Some guy that's been out of the seat for a while that used to drive Cup and then put him in the nine car. I mean, I saw, I think, um, forgetting on Toby Christie, one of his guys went and put out Corey LaJoy. Now, I will say that Corey LaJoy has started this season better than he's ever started any other season of his career. Um, they've weighted a lot of their um, energies towards that seven car. And it seems like for the first time in their entire existence, uh, the, um, what are they, the, uh, what, what what's his team's name again? Spire. Um, Spire. That's the first time I think, so yeah, thank you. Spire, that's the first time I think Spire's actually tried to be competitive. And um, for that, I guess they deserve an attaboy, but I really don't think they deserve one when you run the 77 car and it has engine issues every week and it's a piece of shit car and i got into it with some people on twitter people who are rick Ware zealots who knew that they had zealots um you know spire and then they're i was talking about the 78 car i mean those four cars shouldn't have charters they run in the back every week virtually every week you're the i'm not mistaken in what the original charters said one of the stipulations was if you run in the back three years in a row you're one of the last three for three years in a row you lose your charter and if you want me to believe that Rick Ware's cars have not been in the back for three years in a row, or that 78 hasn't been there for three years in a row, the only way that you, or an Aspire car, forget it. That's nonsensical. Um, I think the 77 got saved under the pretense that they had won that race, but I think those points were swapped over to the 7 car. And I think last year of full-time drivers, Corey LaJoy was one of two, him and Cody Ware were the only two that finished outside of the top 30. So how the hell did they, those cars not, you know, then you know the 77 finished behind that because they had a mix of drivers, and you know the 15 finished behind that. The 78 didn't have a, a set list of drivers, so whatever. I don't know. It's a tangent on freaking. I don't hate Corey LaJoy, but I don't like the team he drives for. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, I what, I mean, I guess before we move on to the race itself, Josh, I mean, what were your thoughts when you heard about 
Clyde getting hurt and uh, what I guess will be the possibilities. I mean, do you know, do you have any ideas of who else it could be other than an Xfinity guy off of Junior Motorsports? I mean, I mean, you talked about two of the guys that could be in that car. And I mean, Josh Berry, I think, you know, he deserves to have that opportunity and, uh, you know, he deserves to show what he can do in a cup car. Um, he's obviously got a lot of uh, talent and, you know, we're finally seeing uh, him be able to drive in a good cup or Xfinity ride with junior motorsports. And so far, you know, uh, the time that he's been in that car, he's shown that he deserves to compete in that series. And I think he's also shown that he deserves to be in a cup ride. So now he's in a good cup ride, uh, potentially. Well, we don't know yet, but he's had the opportunity to run in a good cup ride. And um, I think it's just a matter of getting adjusted uh, to the different driving style that Gen 7 uh, has compared to the Xfinity car. So there's a little bit of a learning curve there uh, that he's going to have to go through. Um, but at the end of the day, he was, you know, fairly, he felt fairly comfortable after the second stage, but they just had some issues uh, with the, the throttle body, I think, throughout the race. And they couldn't really uh, have as much pace as what they wanted. So, yeah, I mean, Barry, I think he deserves it also, but then, on the flip side, you know, you mentioned Corey LaJoy, and uh, I mean, he's infamously known for writing a letter to Rick Hendrick saying that he should be the replacement to Jimmy Johnson a couple of years ago when Johnson announced that he was going to retire. Uh, and of course, Johnson or Rick Hendrick didn't pick him, but I mean, of course, the the thought is still there. And, you know, Corey has been, you know, in the cup series for a few years and he has more cup experience than uh josh barry so if you want to go for more cup experience to potentially uh still keep the nine afloat in the owner's standings or something like that then maybe you call Corey lajoy and and uh, uh put him in the nine car and then maybe maybe work out a deal and put barry in the seven car uh and to still get him cup experience but um we'll see what happens uh and i think another theory behind putting Barry in there is uh they're him and uh Elliot are both of similar build uh you know versus you know somebody like Allgaier who's a lot more shorter in the car so they don't really have to do as much uh work putting in a different type of seat mold for uh for Barry versus Josh or Justin Allgaier so uh yeah I think that's maybe why kind of why they went with uh Josh Barry there uh to um you know replace Elliot so definitely uh unfortunate for Chase Elliott, uh, and you know, a lot of a lot of people are criticizing him for doing snowboarding in the middle of the season. Um, and I mean, I can't really fault him for that because uh, you know he's doing something in his off time. And I mean, he flies to the races and uh, and you know flies from Dawsonville into Charlotte. I mean, do you want him to live in Charlotte and still? I mean, he's still have an accident or something like that. So um, there's still the potential. I mean, obviously he's a, a licensed pilot and you know, knows, you know, he has a good knowledge, but I mean, there's always the chance that something could happen there. So, um, yeah, you know, it's hard to criticize him on being a you know snowboarder and, or trying to do snowboarding. And I mean, a lot of the other drivers have their own activities. I mean, Jimmy Johnson at the end of his career was actually living in, and I don't know if he still is, but, um, I mean, he was living in, uh, Aspen, Colorado and going skiing on the, on the weeks, uh, you know, between races. And I mean, he frequently posted on Instagram and other you know, things, what he was doing in, in Aspen, uh, the last, like maybe two years of his career and, um, can't really fault Elliot for wanting to go snowboarding. Um, you know, while he's out in the West coast where, you know, there's a lot of, uh, good places to, 
uh, do that activity and, you know, try to, you know, get your mind right in between races. So, um, can't really fault him there for that. Um, and I mean, Larson also, I mean, he races a bunch outside the cup series and on dirt and we've seen, you know, the type of things that can happen in, uh, dirt racing, um, you know, in the off season and during the season where, you know, you have some nasty accidents and something there could happen. So, um, Larson, of course, has been able to do this for many years. I mean, we've seen Tony get hurt uh, a couple of times, you know, racing sprint cars uh, in this season. And, um, you know, he fractured his tibia a couple of years ago, remember, in 2013, and then ended up being out of the car for, um, you know, the whole rest of the 2013 season. And then, remember, in the off season of his final year leading up to it, had that back injury in the desert um, with the dune buggy and everything. So, um, you know, if you're a person uh, criticizing him, I think it's a lot of the older crowd, really. But, uh, it's you know, when you look at other drivers that have happened to him, I mean, it's hard to uh, criticize him for, you know, for what happened there. So it's just a you know, unfortunate thing uh, that happened, I guess. And um, you just have to, you know, deal with it, I guess. But, you know, I mean, my reaction to that is just, you know, kind of, kind of shocked, I guess, uh, that that happened. And you're just like, you, know, you don't expect to see that. But I mean, you talked about Kyle Busch, uh, what he did in 2015, and could easily be the same situation. But um, and it's almost, you know, we've only had two races, uh, you know, before that incident, there was only two races. So it's still pretty early. So we could still see Chase Elliott come back in the car by the Coca-Cola 600 if he's able to heal quickly enough or, you know, by um, uh, Nashville or whenever the NBC contract takes over for Fox, um, potentially we could see Chase Elliott there. And that's probably a storyline. Like if it ends up lining up like that, then NBC is going to promote the hell of that, of Chase Elliott making his return to the Cup Series as their lead into the, their first race on the broadcast. So that could happen there too, uh, which I just thought of. And um, you have that. Uh, and then, of course, it depends on the injury itself because, you know, Chase, if he has a fracture in the tibia, right, then, you know, he'll be able to heal and, you know, he's already had the surgery. But, of course, like Kyle Busch talked about it and he'll get advice from him from that. But, you know, if it was like a ligament, you know, an area like near the ligament or something like that or a joint, then that might be a little bit harder uh, and maybe he's out for a longer time. But seems like, you know, there hasn't been any issues so far. Um you know, from the surgery. So we'll just have to matter of time, wait and see uh, when Chase Elliott gets back into the car. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate deal, but it could lead to good opportunity for uh, Josh Berry, most likely, or, you know, maybe even Corey LaJoy, but yeah, we'll see what happens. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a Kyle Busch coming back and, you know, winning the title type of thing. I think um, the series is a little bit more volatile and it's a, a lot more predict or unpredictable than it was in 2015 in terms of driving. So I think it's going to be a little bit tougher hill to climb for Chase Elliott in terms of, you know, being able to, um, I mean, I think he'll still probably make the playoffs, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as what Kyle Busch was able to do in 2015 to get to the championship. Yeah, I can see that. And it's definitely valid. I would, I, I mean, it really is, uh, in terms of who they're going to get to drive, there's a very limited group that really could do it. Uh, so I guess we will see. We have a few days before Phoenix. Um, I'm sure they want to get that decision out there uh, because they want to have the seat and everything in the car before they go and ship the truck out to Phoenix itself. Though, um, uh, so that is um, that is one thing right there. Um, 
Okay. Yeah, so um, I'll go to the results here of the Penzo 400. Uh, William Byron wins, led 176 laps and won both stages. Kyle Larson finished second, was leading going into the final pit stop, lost the lead. Um, lost the lead off pit road to Byron. Alex Bowman finished third. Basically, Byron and Larson dominated the entire race. Logano led the first nine laps and then ceased to exist. The Fords were basically in no man's land the whole entire day. It was a Chevy, and then we're getting to Bubba Wallace gets his first top five of 2023. Christopher Bell finishes fifth. Uh, Austin Sindrick, the leading Ford, in sixth. Martin Truex Jr. stays out on old tires trying to go for the Hail Mary. Didn't come off, but finishes in the top 10 anyway. Justin Haley with the top 10 finish. Credit to him and Colleg Racing started 27th. Harvick, ninth, and uh, Daniel Suarez in 10th. Um, Hamlin led laps, was 11th. Ross Chastain maintains his points lead, uh, regular season points lead. He's only three points ahead of Alex Bowman. So that's an interesting battle there early in the season. Um, Blaney started third, finished 13th. Kyle Busch, 14th. Tyler Reddick gets a top 15 finish, gets a little bit of luck. He's been lacking that so far in this season. I mentioned the Fords were really bad off um, after outside of uh, the Penske's, which, I mean, Logano had his issues, wrecked the car, but uh, the two Penske cars were, what, 6th and 13th, and Harvick was the only uh, Stuart Haas car of any significance because after that, Al Marola was 16th, and um, where are we at? Priest finished 23rd. And Chase Briscoe was 28th, two laps down. Uh, the only things that saved him were Josh Berry's mechanical issues, Noah Gagson, and Todd Gilland, and then the usual bottom four. Um, I mean, that car was absolute dog shit from the moment they took it off the truck, and it ran just like that the whole entire weekend. I mean, we're coming off of a car and a team that, in in September in the playoff race or October, whenever the hell it was, they were up front on the last restart with a chance to win and got passed for the win by Joey Logano, fell back, but still finished in the top 10. So where the hell did those notes go? What the heck happened between now and or then and now? Did they change a the tire? Was it because it was colder, because it was way, really cold and looked miserable there? But, I mean, how the hell can you be that far off? And that's been the case this whole entire season so far. It's already been three weeks. But, I mean, Daytona, they were okay. They had a fast car for one lap, and they gave themselves a chance, put themselves in position possibly to get a good run, but then the wrecking happened. But now they're, they look like dog crap the last two weeks, and now they're having to defend the first win from a year ago at Phoenix. Something good has to come off. You know, you look at Tyler Reddick, he's another one that really needs something good to happen. And then I remember Ross Chastain. They were all up front there on the final restart of the race last uh, March. And a lot's changed for all of them since then. But in two of their cases, they definitely need to get a good run out of it. Uh, Chastain finished 12th or whatever to mention. Um, Keselowski led laps, finished 17th. Um... Yeah, that's about it. I mean, it's now three different winners so far in three races, all Chevys so far to start uh, 2023. Um, I mentioned the points, Chastain over Bowman, Harvick is third, Daniel Suarez is fourth, 
and Martin Truex is fifth. So those guys are all separated by a total of six points. Hamlin's sixth. Christopher Bell gains eight spots. Um, Truex was six spots. Um, Bell eight to seventh. Kyle Busch, of course, has a win. So he's locked in. He's in eighth. Logano, ninth. Chris Busher, tenth. Brad Keselowski in twelfth. Oh, Richard in or eleventh, and oh, Richard in twelfth. Byron with his win, he's in thirteenth. Goes up sixteen spots with his victory. Kyle Larson up ten uh, to fourteenth. Ryan Blaney loses three spots this week. Um, Logano lost seven spots. It's early volatility, of course. And Barbara Wallace is tied with uh, Austin Sindrick with Gumby and uh, for the playoff bubble. And we mentioned Corey LaJoy earlier. He's 18th in points, uh, getting that whole narrative about Spire actually giving him a good piece. Slide lost 10 spots in points by missing the race, but you have quite an interesting list of drivers there. The likes of Austin Dillon, who won last year. You have Eric Jones, who won last year. And for, for now, Legacy Motor Club. You have the two Stuart Haas guys in Priest and Briscoe outside of the top 30 in points, along with Tyler Reddick, who is still behind or tied with Travis Pastrana, who only ran the Daytona 500. So um, that's pretty terrible. I got to say that's pretty terrible. Um, okay. Xfinity, there's a little bit more um, stuff that went on there in that Alsco Uniforms 300 uh, at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Austin Hill came through and... He won the second stage, but was able to sneak the lead away there, come into the white flag from Chandler Smith, get his second win of 2023. Justin Allgaier second. Chandler Smith started from pole, finished third. Kyle Busch fourth, giving two uh, colleague cars in the top five, along with two junior motorsports cars with Josh Berry. John Hunter Nemechek coming off of his victory at California, finished sixth, won a stage, so getting another stage point or playoff point. Then you have uh, Sam Mayer, Riley Herbst, Sheldon Creed, and Daniel Hemrick rounding out the top 10. Parker Kligerman and Cole Custer rounded out all the, the lead lap cars, so 12 cars finished on the lead lap on Saturday afternoon. I mean, outside of the top, what is it, top seven or, yeah, top seven, there was only one other driver that led a lap, and that was Anthony Alfredo, uh, and that, he finished 19th. You know, there was all but one car finished the race. Uh, Gase had a fuel, a fuel pump issue, but then wouldn't be surprised that way. Uh, Patrick Emerling took over for C.J. McLaughlin after C.J. McLaughlin crashed, which is not surprising. Uh, so he um, got replaced in that car. I see some other people there. I think uh, Raja Cruz spun out at some point during that race on Saturday. Um, 48, number 8, 45. Yeah, he spun out, and that led to the conclusion of a second stage, and that was the last yellow of the race. So that was interesting there. Um, I mean, Austin Hill giving himself his first non-restrictor like plate type race victory uh, of his Xfinity career, uh, good momentum so far for him uh, moving into what likely will be 
You know, I think his next stage is going to cup. Now, where will that be is a great question considering the current circumstances. But if you're going to run as good as he has so far this year, I would think Austin Hill's next uh, path is the cup series. But to be determined, a good start to the year, though, two out of three to start the season. Yeah, two out of three ain't bad for Chandler or for Austin Hill. And you know, he's done pretty well this year and kind of didn't expect him to you know be that competitive on a mile and a half track um with his with his track record so far in xfinity but uh you know in truck series he was pretty good on the mile and a half and this was uh, a type of track that he uh, succeeded pretty well in uh in in that series and you know he's been pretty good a mile and a half uh in his truck career so far so it may be from that perspective not uh, too surprising that uh, he was able to pick up the win here, but you know, I think for Xfinity, kind of contrast the Cup. I mean, the Cup Series, like that race, uh, a lot of. I mean, obviously, there is still a lot of comers and goers in that race, but that one had. Um, you could tell that they were on rails uh, to a degree, and this this race, you could tell there's a little bit more handling, even for the drivers out in front for the leader. Um, you know. It, wasn't as guaranteed that you could maintain the lead and hold uh, throughout a run or at least through off of a restart. And we saw a couple of times where the leader uh, couldn't quite drive away. And I think, you know, just uh, the downforce differences in, in this series, um, I think really, uh, you know, played a factor. And, and I think, you know, with the end of the day, uh, Austin Hill was able to maintain his uh, lap times throughout the end of the last run and Chandler Smith, uh, you know, it looked like he might have the win, but then I think, you know, he just uh, ran out of tire, ran out of car at the end of the race. And I think that's why Austin Hill was able to reel him back in and make the make the pass at the end. And he was able to kind of, um, you know, use uh, the air, you know, downforce and use uh, his handling to his advantage. And he was able to go out and get the win with the last couple of laps in the race. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's a very patient driver and, you know, someone who, um, you know, he's been able to prove it on the uh, plate tracks in Atlanta, but we hadn't seen him uh, win or really be that competitive on a, you know, non-Super Speedway track. And I think, you know, this race proves he can uh, run up front uh, like that and pick up wins. So, yeah, this is a big, big win for him in terms of that. And, yeah, I mean, I think could he be in a cup car with RCR? It's certainly possible. And so yeah, I definitely think um, that's in the play uh, within the next couple of years. And, uh, you know, depending on, I think Sheldon Creed also deserves to be in a cup car at some point. I think he's really talented. So I think, you know, both of those guys uh, could end up going to, you know, if it's not RCR, then, you know, somewhere else in the cup series that has an opening um, if, you know, Austin Dillon somehow stays in the cup series uh, after the next couple of years. So yeah, we'll see what they're able to do, but yeah, I thought, you know, this was a, you know, a lot better race, uh, I think than cup on Sunday. Um, and you, know, you saw, um, you know, a lot of, a lot more, you know, lead changes, like I said, um, I mean, uh, for the amount of, for the amount of laps that were run, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, this one had 14 lead changes over, uh, 200 laps and then, uh, the cup had 13 over 267 plus overtime. So yeah, this one was a lot more competitive, uh, in terms of the amount of laps that they ran, um, here. And then, uh, you know, Chandler Smith, um, ran up front and, um, you know, led the most laps. Uh, so it's clear he's got a, um, 
good starts of the year, but he just needs to be able to hold on a little bit, you know, longer to be able to get the win. And I think he'll be up front uh, a bunch, you know, later on this year. And of course, the 16 car uh, has been pretty competitive in the uh, Xfinity series the last couple of years with college racing. So yeah, definitely think uh, there's going to be more good results than bad uh, in terms of, you know, being able to close for wins for Ch- uh, Chandler Smith later on this year. And then um, his teammate this weekend, of course, Kyle Busch, uh, you know, surprisingly um, didn't, you know, wasn't that dominant. You know, we thought that Kyle Busch would be up there and there was a couple times where uh, off of restarts and he was up, near the lead and i thought he would be able to you know drive up there and run away with it but you know that did not turn out to be the case and you know he uh started out 11th you know his teammate chandler smith had the pole so um you know kyle bush didn't quite have the pace that he needed this weekend and um you know i think we both picked kyle bush uh to win you know and well no you picked him you picked custer and i picked bush but i think we both could agree that we thought that Kyle Busch was likely to probably win uh, this weekend uh, in Xfinity, especially at his home track at first start back in the Xfinity series. So, um, you know, he didn't do as well as what I thought he would, but shows how, how tough it is to win in this series. And you really have to be uh, on your um, game in terms of both your team, your uh, car and uh, you know, your the driver. So yeah, it's a bit surprising, but you know, he's still, finishing fourth in this one josh barry you know got a top five and had a spin uh you know in the middle of the race you know before the end of uh stage one uh so that was you know definitely a surprise there and and that he spun out like that but you know i think it was just a case of hard racing and getting loose coming off turn four and spinning out but he was able to uh recover for top five finish there so good recovery there and then last week's winner john hernemichek solid result uh led you know for 45 laps and gets sixth place so uh yeah i mean this race you know is definitely a lot more competitive i think than cup but yeah austin hill um you know it's kind of a classic finish if you think about it i mean he uh bided his time there and um was patient and then chandler smith you know used up uh his car i think and he was able to uh, have it handling there and his car was a little bit more hooked up to the racetrack than Chandler Smith there at the end. And he was able to make the pass to, uh, coming to the white flag to, uh, win the race. So yeah, good win for Austin Hill this weekend in the Xfinity series. Yeah. And he gives himself uh, an early leg up in terms of the points. He currently is up by 21 on Justin Allgaier, 24 on John Hunter, who is uh, the only one other one that's won this year. Chandler Smith, is now fourth in points. Um, well, he is fourth. He didn't lose his spot or gain or anything. Uh, Riley Herbs fifth. Sam Mayer sixth. Cole Custer seventh. Josh Berry is listed twice on their rundown. So good job by NASCAR that. Joe Graff Jr. Uh, been driving the 19 the last couple of weeks. So uh, he is currently ninth. Parker Kligerman 10. Sammy Smith 11. Then Jeb Burton is on the bump spot. You got the likes of uh, behind him, Jeb Burton. He's up by six points on Ryan Sieg and Daniel Hemrick. Uh, Hemrick, I think, got in right on the bump last year. and wasn't really a factor. He's hurt right now. So Sieg, of course, smaller team. Brett Moffitt's running with Stuart Haas support. Uh, Sheldon Creed, Brandon Jones. So there, There's going to be uh, some movement there, I would say, 
you know, the likes of Joe Graff Jr. and Jeb Burton at a minimum, probably you're going to be removed. But who else could move is to be determined. Um, but yeah, though, that's the biggest gainer from last week is there's two would CB Hamrick did gain seven spots along with Sheldon Creed, uh, with their results and then Sammy Smith gained four. So uh, we'll see what happens this week at Phoenix for them for the Xfinity series since they will be there and we will finish up with the trucks, which, uh, saw Kyle Busch win the Victoria's voice foundation 200 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, so a home win for the all-time winningest driver in the series, um, the and also truck owner, first time winning in a Chevy in uh, since his Billy Blue days. And Kyle Busch wins over Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, Corey Heim, and Ty Majeski, so three Fords in the top five. Christian Eckes, Carson Hosevar, Chase Birdie, Grant Enfinger, and Jake Garcia. I think that was his, that's a series debut too. So credit to him making his series debut and getting a top 10 finish. The McAnally team getting two trucks in the top 10. I mean, uh, you also have Kyle Busch gets two of his trucks in the top 10. Uh, the stage winners were Zane Smith and Carson Hosevar. Uh, Carson Hosevar was the only other driver to lead double digit laps. Uh, he had, um, and then, yeah, Zane Smith there. Rhodes, Enfinger, Kaz Gralla driving for uh, whatever, Tricon, Garage, whatever. And then Colby Howard. Uh, is that Colby Howard? Or is that Daniel Dye? Yeah, I think it's Daniel Dye led laps. And then um, Nick Sanchez led laps, but got in a wreck. Um, Rajak Ruth had stage points in both stages, but then had issues late in the race. So Brett Holmes crashed. Even he started up front, sixth place, wrecked. So brutal start to the season for him. Uh, the 46 truck and the 34 truck basically start and parked. Uh, Haley Deegan get wrecks 59 laps into the race. So, well, more of the same no matter where she drives. And then John Arnimacek had a some sort of issue, vibration. It says vibration on the on the results sheet, but he didn't finish in his Tricon number 17. So yeah, Kyle Busch led the most laps, didn't win the stages, but he did what he had to do. Uh, he led the last, what is it, 22 laps of the race or 23 laps of the race. And um, him and his one of his protégés right now, Nick Sanchez, are swapping the lead early in the race. Um, but then Zane Smith had the lead when it counted. Josevar started showing his medal in the second stage. Um, him and Ben Rhodes are swapping the lead. And Kyle Busch basically from lap 68 till the end for, for the exception of the five laps that Daniel Dye led, uh, led the race. I mean, I don't know where else to go with it other than, um, I mean, Kyle Busch. What else did you expect? I think we both picked him in the trucks. I don't know. Uh, I have to go and look. But uh, that race, I, it, it, I knew it wasn't going to be watchable when Jamie Little was the lead announcer. And then I'm like, oh, here we go. And then on top of it, you know, Kyle Busch is in it, so you know more than likely he's going to win too. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think I had the race on at all. I uh, think I was playing iRacing, so doing something better with my time than watching the truck race, I guess. But I think by the time I looked up to see who won, uh, I turned it on, and Kyle Busch was giving his winner's interview. So, yeah, uh, I was pretty much expected. Actually, I picked... 
Ben Rhodes to win. Uh, see, I thought the opposite, I guess. I mean, you picked him to win the Truck Series, and I picked him to win Xfinity, uh, and then you also picked him in Cup. But I thought, uh, based on you know uh, Xfinity, his experience there, that he'd be easier for him to win in Xfinity than in Truck. But I guess Truck, uh, you went out, won the race uh, there. So, yeah, I mean, statement win, honestly, for the organization not, I mean, not Kyle Busch, but you know, him being able to win first time out as a new organization in terms of, you know, switching over from uh, Toyota to Chevy. I mean, uh, not surprisingly, he won, but, you know, um, they needed that as a group to prove that, you know, they still have what it takes to win after switching manufacturers and everything. So, yeah, I mean, this was a good win for their team and, and goes on, you know, dominates uh, to win. Uh, you know the race and everything so yeah and I mean not too much happened otherwise I mean obviously led a bunch of laps uh, I mean Hosvar led some laps too and picked up a playoff point for uh, stage wins so uh, that could be important later on of course Zane Smith also but we you know kind of expect him uh, to be able to uh, get those type of results in the stages um, but yeah and Chase Purdy of course also had a good result finishing in eighth so um, yeah I mean this this is a pretty standard race uh for kyle bush uh in his truck career now um you know he continues to win that series uh i will say i guess i'm a little bit maybe not a little bit surprised but you know with ross chastain i thought maybe he might have done a little bit better as a cup veteran racing in uh the truck series um but i guess you know it still matters with equipment you know the nice cars aren't quite as good as um you know, maybe some of the other cars in the series and or truck in the series. So, yeah, definitely uh, Ross Chastain finishing four laps down in 24th, a little bit surprising for a cup driver competing in, in um, uh, trucks. So, yeah, but otherwise, uh, yeah, not much really else to talk about uh, in this uh, in this race. So, yeah, I mean, Kyle Busch won at Las Vegas in the truck series. Uh, what do you expect? Exactly. And uh, it kind of leads into our points. Uh, Zane Smith, I mentioned, won a stage, so he got his first stage win of the year. He won Daytona, uh, but didn't win stages there. Um, Ty Majeski is only two points behind him in second. Uh, Christian Eckes is third. He is tied with Matt Crafton. Ben Rhodes is fifth, so that's three. the three um, competitive Thor Sport trucks. Grant Enfinger is sixth, uh, tied with Ben Rhodes. Carson Osovar is seventh. Matt D. Burrito, eighth. Tanner Gray, ninth. And Chase Purdy at the moment would be the cutoff spot. Uh, there's a definite delineation points wise. Corey Heim is three points behind Purdy. Ankrum is tied with him. And then Colby Howard is uh, 10, 13 points out of the cutoff and ninth place essentially. So. Those guys have run every race this year. There are other drivers that have run, but there's a huge points gap. Uh, Nick Sanchez has definitely had a lot of issues so far in both races. So is Raja Carruth and Daniel Dye. So they've got some ground to make up for sure. Jake Garcia, as I mentioned, made his uh, Truck Series debut and goes and gets a top 10 finish. So now he's 17th in points. I'm not sure if there's a waiver deal or if he just goes out there and wins, he'll be in. Something to look at considering the McAnally trucks are very competitive this year. I'm trying to look through some of these other people that are that are around, and most of them kind of 
suck. So um, Haley Deegan right now is 31st in points. So that's not a great look for her. You know, she's behind, what is it, one? Is it how many guys who have driven every race this year outside of the, the 16, 17, 20, 22, 23, 20, or 22 drivers she's behind that have run, or no, that's that's wrong, uh, 15, yeah, 22 drivers, actually, I was right, 22 drivers that have run both races so far this year, she's 23rd amongst the drivers that have run every race, um, Brad Holmes, though, at least, I mean, she's at least out of Brad Holmes, because he's had horrendous start to the year, um, my god, that is bad. I mean, you're behind guys that only drove Daytona. And, um, yeah, they'll get to wait to go to Atlanta a couple weeks' time in another super speedway-type event. Yeah, that'll be on Saturday the 18th. Uh, that'll be a doubleheader, I believe, with the Xfinity Series. So there goes that. All right. Through all of NASCAR stuff, so that means it is time for the GSP Roundup. Plenty to go over there, and uh, we will start with uh, Formula 2 and Formula 3. Formula 2 uh, ran, and uh, the winners in the sprint race was Ralph Beauchamp, and uh, in the feature race, Teo Pocher uh, for the sprint race. Uh, trying to go and get the, you know, the results, calendar and results. So I go through all that. That's not what I was looking for. Just clicks on the driver. That's not. Uh, all right. So standings. Uh, Teo Pocher, of course, I mentioned won the the feature. So he uh, and got uh, points in the sprint. He leads Boshong by four points. Zane Maloney had a podium finish in the uh, feature, getting his first. Uh, in his first weekend in Formula 2. Kushmini, the Indian driver, uh, gets uh, his fourth with 14 points. Richard Vashor uh, is in fifth. Iwasa, sixth. Dennis Hauger, seventh. Artur Leclerc, eighth. Victor Martins, ninth. And Isaac Hadjar in tenth. Jan Deruvla, uh, Enzo Fittipaldi, and Juan Manuel Correa got the last point there, so credit to him, the American part American driver there. Two Indian drivers, a few two American drivers. Jack Crawford uh, is in this series, and Brad Benavide. So three Americans, two Indian drivers. Pretty cool. They'll be around uh, next uh, race, of course, will be uh, Saudi. Uh, Constructors Championship right now. Campos leads ART by four points, and then there's a huge gap to Roden, Carlin, Dams, Van Amersfoort, and MP Motorsports. In Formula 3, the standings sees Bortoletto, the winner of the feature after not getting any points in the uh, in the sprint. Goth, Beganovic, Marti, who won the sprint race. Gregoire Saucy, Colapinto, Franco Colapinto, Browning, Kyle Collette, Paul Aaron, Kalen Frederick, the American driver, Meany, then Fornaroli, Sebastian Montoya, Johnny Edgar, all the uh, point scorers for the race the weekend there at Secure. So the points are pretty tight. They're only doing two, a sprint and a feature race this year. So a, a bit of a change. They used to run three races back a few years ago. So a little amendment there. 
Pride End has a huge lead uh, to start the year over Prema. ART is third. Campos is tied with High Tech for fifth. So that's Formula 2 and Formula 3. World Superbikes at Mandalika. World Superbike Championship. WS World SBK. Up Raskat Lioku kickstarts his title challenge. So there you go. The results of the races this weekend. Alvaro Batista um, wins both races, uh, regular races. Toprak Raskat Lioku won the Super Pole race and finished second in both regular races. Andrea Locatelli finished third in race one. Javi Vieje finished third in race two. And Alex Locatelli and Alex Lowe's finished second and third in the uh, Super Bowl race. Points now. I'm trying to go and look at the calendar. We're gonna not going to see them for a while. They'll be coming back in the middle of April at Assen for the Dutch uh, Dutch uh, Superbike or the Grand Prix of the Netherlands or whatever Superbike race. Uh, Alvaro Batista leads by 37 points over Toprak Raskatlioku. Andrea Locatelli's teammate is in third. Axel Bassani and Michael Ruben Rinaldi on Ducati's fourth and fifth. Johnny Ray is in sixth. Um, let's see. Vieje now moves up to seventh. Petrucci, Iker Lacuona, Argeter is 10th. Um, Garrett Gerloff currently 16th in points. And uh, yeah, so 16th in points. There, um, yeah, I'm trying to see here. So, yeah, so six races, uh, yeah, so nothing of nothing there. I thought there'd be more details. Oh well, so there'll be a while before we see the super world super bikes. We'll see Moto GP, Moto 2, and Moto 3 here in a few weeks' time, though. Um, let's go into Indy next, which was at St. Petersburg uh, for their season opener. We saw Daniel Frost. Win uh, the win the race Indy Grand Prix of St. Petersburg uh, over Nolan Siegel, Jacob Abel, Christian Rasmussen, Hunter, Hunter McElray or McElray, Ernie Francis Jr., Josh Green, Reese Gold, Rasmus Lind, and Kiffin Simpson. Uh, Jamie Chadwick driving her first race in this series, driving for Andretti Autosport in a DHL car, finished 13th. I'm trying to look through. Yeah, Jagger Jones had issues wrecked uh, in um, what is it, lap 13. Unfortunate for him. The standings then uh, obviously Frost goes and has a 10 point lead. Uh, led late, Abel dominated the race, but in the end, Frost and Siegel were able to get by and um, and get finish ahead of him. Qualifying saw Foster Abel. Uh, Rasmussen, the top three, Frost started seventh, so even more credit to him to go and move up from seventh to to get in position to win their race too. So we'll see them next in uh, at uh, Baba, which will be nearly two months from now. So whatever, uh, we'll forget about them. Um, yeah, and Ernie Francis Jr. started seventeenth, and he moved all the way up into the points. So credit to him on that. Then, yeah, result, race info, yeah, so they'll be running there. They should be running the Freedom 100, but 
Now that's beside the point. Uh, they said they, they had streaming on P. Uh, I didn't know they did have streaming on Peacock. They were saying that they didn't have it, but yes, they do. Uh, Daytona Supercross uh, saw saw what do you call um, Eli Tomac join Mister the King as a seven-time winner of an event at Daytona. Of course, Mister the King won seven Daytona 500s and uh Eli Tomac has won seven Daytona Supercrosses so that's a really insane uh, stat considering how hard it is to race at Daytona and the weather conditions and the whole bit Eli Tomac finished ahead of Cooper Webb and Chase Sexton as two title rivals this year he leads Cooper Webb by five points and Chase Sexton by 10 Jason Anderson and Ken Roxon round out the top five. You have Aaron Plessinger, Barsha, Christian Craig, Joey Savacci, and Colt Nichols uh, rounding out the top ten in the yeah, and that's a what is it? The three, four, fifth win of the year for Eli Tomac. Cooper Webb has two two wins and then uh, two sec three second place finishes. Hence. Uh, the consistency is keeping him up there. Chase Sexton has one win, three seconds, and two thirds. Now that's why they're that battle is going to go the whole way this season, and it's good to see. It's just they're now next week they'll be racing at uh, they'll be racing at Indianapolis in Lucas Oil Stadium. Last week, of course, was the NFL Scouting Combine, so now they're empty. They emptied out for that, so now they'll have the Supercross at indianapolis then you'll have detroit seattle and then a week off i think for easter there before they go to state farm stadium in glendale so plenty to look at detroit's a classic round along with indianapolis uh, here on this championship so hunter lawrence wins uh, the 250 daytona supercross over max anstey and hayden deegan aka danger boy deegan of uh, the uh on a Yamaha, so he wins, or the, oh, it's a top three, Jordan Smith, Jeremy Martin, Chance Hymas, Chris Blos, uh, Nate Thrasher wrecked a couple of times, he was up there, started first, um, didn't uh, have the finish to show for it though, in um, 250 East competition, Hunter Lawrence leads by 14 points over Anstey, 25 over Deegan, Jeremy Martin's a further three points back tied with Jordan Smith, Nate Thrasher, 29 points back. So there's a nice little battle from third through sixth. Hymas is uh, seventh. Chris Blos, Tom Vial, and Michael Moseman uh, are round out your top 10. I mean, brothers Hunter and Jet Lawrence lead the uh, both sides of the 250 Supercross championships west and east so that could be something history being made there both of them are able to come through and get uh those uh 250 supercross titles uh the nhra will be debuting for the first there they'll be debuting and they'll run the gator nationals this year to open their season uh going and changing changing up their uh, the way that the schedule is i guess condensing it in a in a way um, so that'll be nice, uh, to, it'll be a nice little change up there. Um, trying to see the event. Yeah. So event info for the Amelie motor oil Gator nationals. Uh, you got event info, lodging, blah, blah, blah. 
um, competitors. There you go. So we'll get into um, start with. I'll start with top alcohol dragster for personal bias reasons because uh, one Anthony Wayne Stewart will be driving his Mobile One TSR car for the McPhillips family team. Uh, we'll see how many cars there are in this race. Uh, 21 cars entered, of course, or 16 spots. So you have to go and beat five drivers in qualifying. You know, Megan Smith, who beat him at Las Vegas. The um, Rhonda Hartman, uh, Rhonda Hartman's uh, Smith's daughter. So that's a, a classic. It's old chassis, too, no less. Uh, Dan Mercier, a longtime alcohol competitor. Uh, Corey McCulloch, their Daniel Dietrich and a, has a Chrysler alcohol engine. Look at that. Karen Stalba from New Jersey. Jackie Frick from Flemington. Wow, that's cool. Didn't know that. Jasmine Salinas. So there's a bunch of ladies in this category, and a couple, three of them are from, two of them are from New Jersey. And then there's Thomas Fox Jr., another New Jersey guy. So another New Jersey person. So that's uh, cool to look at. Uh, you got Brentford, Brant, you got Brantford, Ontario, Sarah Allen from Jacksonville, Port Charlotte, Florida for Cody Crone, sponsored by Lucas Oil. All right, so we'll go to ProMod, which sees uh, 19 cars. Trying to see if there's anything that isn't a Chevy. Um, that's uh, That'll be a challenge. Uh, yeah, there is Stan Shelton in a Ford Mustang. Or uh, 21 Ford, I'm assuming it's a Mustang. Everything else is a Chevy. Uh, there's Poet Paul Dagrepont, that's a name. He has a Chevy Camaro powered by a Chrysler 521. Okay, that's something. That's one you do. Uh, all right, so then go into Pro Stock Motorcycle. Uh, this will be, they didn't write how many competitors for whatever reason. Uh, that'll be 20. Yeah, 20 for 16. Matt Smith, of course, the defending champion, entered on a Suzuki. Joy Gladstone, the runner-up last year. Um, also on a Suzuki, Angie Smith finished third in points. She's on a Buell still. Uh, Steve Johnson, former winner of the Gator Nationals, closest uh, opportunity he's ever had last year to win a championship. Coming back, the veteran, Eddie Krawick, uh, will uh, lead the... Uh, a Vance and Hines team. Then you have Mark Ingwersen on a in a Buell, like along with Ryan Ayler, uh, Gianna Evaristo, so Gianna Salinas, Chris Bostic, Gage Herrera taking over for um, Angel Sampe uh, on the Vance and Hines bikes. Richard Gadsden, Chip Ellis running for MSR on a Buell. Hector on a junior back. Running uh, this year uh, with Getarek or Getarex, Getarek, Getrax, I guess. Michael Phillips, and then I, well, I guess his nephew, or I'm assuming his nephew, Malcolm Phillips Jr. They'll be running the JNA Services Reed Motorsports Suzuki's, and then I'm trying to see John Hall, uh, Suzuki Kelly Klontz. Yeah, so that's the field. I kind of have to assume that Matt Smith will be the favorite, but his wife has won this one at Gainesville before, and Craywick is one you can't ever count out. We'll see if some of the Buells can stand up to the Suzuki contingent. In pro stock car, I didn't list how many cars again, so uh, yeah, 
20 cars there. Uh, Eric Anders goes and uh, trying to defend her championship for Elite Motorsports. Her teammates are Aaron Stanfield, Troy Coughlin, Troy Coughlin. Um, Greg Anderson now runs his team, and uh, they have a four-car effort with Anderson, uh, Matt, Matt or no, Dallas Glenn, and uh, I think Matt Hartford. I don't know, but I, definitely Dallas Glenn. Um, Camry Caruso joins their effort this year, and um, yeah, that's the uh, and yeah, so that's that there. Uh, I forget who the other driver was that was or Kyle Koretsky. There you go. He's hidden over there. That's a Kyle Koretsky is the other one. So yeah, they're a four car operation this year. Um, um, Elite Motorsports also run Jerry Tucker in a Chevy. Um, McGahey and his Chris McGay and his son Mason continue to race uh, this year. Larry Morgan, the ageless wonder, out there racing. Alan Przinsky, a Jersey guy, the only Dodge out there, still trying to fight the uphill battle. Uh, curious as to what Camry Caruso can do now that she's connected with a big team. Can she go and make that step forward and possibly not only get that first win, but contend for a championship this year? Uh, something to look at. But the rivalry, of course, Enders and Anderson has gone on for many years. We'll see if that continues with even with some of the changes that have taken place over this off season uh funny car funny car class has 16 cars so nobody's going to fail to qualify so caps of course ron caps the defending champion uh in his own napa auto parts toyota robert height driving for of course his former father-in-law um from the triple a car they've got cornwell tools and flavor pack bob tasca the third I've been his motorcraft quickly in Ford. John Force, who's like, I don't know how old he is, but he's he's a psychopath, but he's one of the greatest race car drivers ever. Cruz Pentagon driving uh, a Dodge body, uh, Snap-on Tools car, DeJoria back, third team. Uh, Tim Wilkerson joining forces. I forget who, the Skag Power Equipment. He's joining forces with um, Tony Schumacher. Yeah, that's those, the Skag Power Equipment. Matt Hagen driving for TSR in the um, S- Dodge SRT Direct Connection. Uh, uh, green, they're, they're green. They're doing green black this year. Alex Laughlin is actually driving uh, for, uh, I guess, Big Jim Dunn this year. So uh, that'll be something to see how that all works out. Paul Lee, Terry Haddock, Dave Richards, uh some of the well, Haddock and Richards, who's a smaller organization, of course, John Smith. Uh, that's yeah, the Rhonda Hartman's husband and the dad of the girl that beat Tony Stewart. Uh, Blake Alexander driving for Jim Head again this year, J.R. Todd driving for Connie Coletta. So there's the field in Funny Car. Going to be interesting to see that battle between those, those three caps, Height and Tasca. Can Cruz Pentagon come back after many years from his last title and go and win another one? And Brittany Force, of course, is the uh, top fuel champion coming back. The Monster Energy Flavor Pack dragster. And yet Antron Brown as a runner-up last year. Uh, her Force's teammate Austin Proc finished third. Both of them live in Pittsburgh, Indiana. 
interesting. Uh, Justin Ashley finished fourth um, in points in the Phillips Connect uh, dragster. Steve Torrance, an actual off year for him um, relative to winning on them championships. Josh Hart, Sean Langdon, Doug Coletta, so nine guys there. So 18 for 16. Mike Salinas is there on a mound. Scott Palmer, Opatrony, I don't know who the hell he is. Doug Foley, and there's Leah Pruitt uh, in the SR Dodge SRT Direct Connection Dragster. Spencer Massey uh, driving this weekend's race. Tony Schumacher, as I mentioned, in the Funny Car Deal. Todd Payton's team running Keith Mert. Clay Milliken running the Parts Plus Dragster with Rick Ware Racing. Lovely. Um, yeah, so that'll be something. Can Brittany Forrest go and repeat, get another championship there in, uh, to start and or get a, get a win in the, uh, to start the 2023 season. Uh, yeah, they'll be running this weekend at the Gator Nationals and then two weeks they'll go to Arizona. And then the following week they'll run the Lucas Oil Winter Nationals. <laughs> before taking a couple of weeks off between that race and then Vegas four wide, and then another couple of weeks for the Charlotte four wide. Definitely talk about NHRA as the season goes on. Okay, keep it moving. The um, Extreme E Desert e Prix will be coming up this weekend. Um, let's see, except, great. Uh, in your, well, that's from Desert e Prix. Or Desert Expri, I mean, uh, my mistake there. That doesn't work. So Desert Expri, then this year they'll be running uh, two races every every uh, round. So it's in Saudi, of course, Naum, Saudi Arabia. So they'll be running uh, two races this coming weekend there, and then uh, the next race will be a couple months from now. The Hydro Expri. Then in May, then Island Expri in July, a to-be-determined or announced race in September, and then the Copper Expri in December to um, end the season. Uh, the teams and drivers, there have been a bunch of changes in the Xtreme uh, right now this year. Um, uh, apt Cooper XC team will run Clara Anderson and Nasser Alatia. That wasn't their... Uh, team last year, or at least that it was changed uh, from yeah, Clara Anderson. She was with Excite Energy Racing, and then now she's moved over in Nasser Altia. He's been there, I guess, for for last year at least. Former multi-time winner of the Dakar Rally. Iconia Science XE team sees Layla Sands and Matias Ekstrom race. Uh, because uh, Carlos Sainz is in, was injured at the Dakar Rally. Andretti, I don't even know what that is. It was Genesis Andretti United Extreme, but Alta, yeah, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, Katie Munnings and Timmy Hansen continue their partnership. Uh, Carl Cox Motorsports, uh, he's a English or whatever investor dude. Um, Christine GZ and uh, Timo Scheider are the drivers. Uh, Jensen Button XC gets two new drivers in Haida, Hosas, and Heike Kovalainen, the former Formula One driver. Neo McLaren Extreme keeps their driver lineup of Emma Gilmore and Tanner Faust. Uh, 
Hummer, uh, GMC Hummer EV, Chip Ganassi Racing, returns RJ Anderson, who was Kyle Duke for a while, for a, a couple of years there, but um, RJ Anderson replaced him late last year, and uh, he's now the the male driver, and Amanda Sorensen, an American driver, will be uh, coming along uh, and running as the driver instead of Sarah Price. Then in uh, Rossberg X Racing, the champions of the first season, Michaela Allen Kotolinski and Johan Christofferson, the rallycross driver, are back. Feloce Racing will have Kevin Hansen and Molly Taylor. They've had changes over the years. Um, X44 Racing, the defending world champions, they still have not announced their drivers. Wow, that's something. I think you'd want to have drivers considering... uh, considering how close you are to the race the season starting so uh, that is convenient i guess we'll find out who's racing for them uh by next week uh supercars will be running their opener as i mentioned uh at uh, town uh at newcastle uh so that will be um the thrifty newcastle 500 and then they'll uh run their next race will be at Melbourne for, as part of uh, the Formula One uh, Grand Prix weekend there. Uh, drivers uh, this year for the Supercars, uh, Repco Supercars Championship. And running through here. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, Shane Van Gisbergen, the defending champion of the series, of course. Um, and the number 97 Red Bull Ample Racing Chevy Camaro. We'll go and move up to the numbers. Number two will be Nick Percat, Mobile One NTI Racing for Andretti United, Walkinshaw Andretti United. Todd Hazelwood for Cool Drive uh, Racing, the number three. Jack Smith, SCT Logistics, number four, Chevy Camaro for uh, Brad Jones Racing. James Courtney and the Snowy River Caravans, number five, Ford for uh, Tickford Racing. Cam Waters, a Monster Energy Ford Mustang for Tickford. Andre Heimgardner, RJ Battery Chevy for Brad Jones Racing. Coca Cola Racing drivers are Will Brown in the nine and Brody Kostecki in the 99. Anton Di Pasquale comes back to race the Shell V Power Racing, number 11 for Dick Johnson Racing. Bryce, or I think I said that uh, Nick Percat was the driver of you know, for Andretti, Wakanshaw Andretti United. I think I mixed him up with, um, oh no, it is Wakanshaw Andretti United. Okay. So, um, Middies, oh no, I didn't. Okay. Bryce Fullwood driving the Middies electrical number 14 Chevy Camaro. Uh, Fullwood was, um, yeah, he's driving for Brad Jones Racing there. Uh, Will Davison back in the iconic number 17 for Shell V Power Racing and Dick Johnson. Uh, Mark Winterbottom, former champion of the series in the number 18 DeWalt Chevy Camaro. Matt Payne in the Penrite Racing number 19 uh, for, uh, yeah, as I said, Penrite Racing, Ford, and then Hino Racing number 20 Chevrolet for Scott Pye. Tim Slade in the New Lawn Racing number 23, Camaro, Chaz Mostert, the Mobile One Optus Racing Ford Mustang for Walking Chandra United, David Reynolds driving for Penrite Racing Ford number 26, James Golding, New Lawn Racing number 31. I think I saw that here earlier, but 
Um, then you have Jack LeBrock, truck assist, racing, Camaro number 34. Cameron Hill will be his teammate this year in the number 35 truck assist car. Thomas Randall in the number 55. Castro Racing Ford Mustang. Declan Frazier in the Trady Racing number 56. Ford, both of those, of course, were Tickford Racing. Brock Feeney, the rookie sensation, uh, jumping in to replace Jamie Wincup. Uh, last year, now is in second year for Red Bull Ampoule, number 88 Chevy Camaro and Macaulay Jones, and the number 96 Pizza Hut Racing Chevrolet Camaro. So that's the field. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen's dominated over recent years. So we will see how that goes in the Supercars Championship. And it's a first race, of course, with Gen 3. The Camaro is new, the Mustang. They've tried to do a little balance of performance because Ford's been giving up a lot. We'll see how that all works out. Uh, we will get into. We'll start with the Xfinity Series, Josh, uh, the previews for the United Rentals 200. Uh, uh, nine, there's 39 for 38, so only one car is going to miss the show. Uh, changes are Weatherman's back in the 0-2. JD cars are the same. Blaine Perkins running full seasons. Kyle Bush will run again in the 10 car for Colleague. Uh, Ryan Truex will run the number 19 for Joe Gibbs. Uh, Connor Mozak will run for Sam Hunt in the 24. And let's see who else. Joe Graff is back in the number 38 for RSS. And then, yeah, Ellis, Jeffrey, yeah, they're back. Leland Honeyman is driving the 45 for Alpha Prime. CJ McLaughlin trying to wreck again this weekend in the 53. Brian Weber, whoever he is, trying to qualify the 66. Dawson Cram, former guest of the show, will be trying to get the 74 into the race. They've had a hard time this year doing making shows. Anthony Alfredo, well, yeah, he's full-time. Garrett Smithley, because the 99 for BJ McLeod was withdrawn, he'll be driving for DGM. And then Kyle Sieg will be driving the 28. Uh, I mean... It's a track, the easy way to look at it, it's a Joe Gibbs racing kind of track in the Xfinity Series. Keebler won the last race there. I'm not remembering who won in the spring last year, but it feels like a, a benefit for either Gibbs or Junior Motorsports, but who knows? I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts on this weekend's race at Phoenix at one of the more cra crappier racetracks that they race at these days. Uh, yeah, I mean, I th think you pretty much nailed it right there with, uh, you know, the teams that we expect to be competitive here. And you're looking back, you know, the last decade of racing at this racetrack uh, since they repaved and this configuration, a lot of the winners have come from uh, Joe Gibbs. Of course, a lot of those winners were Kyle Busch. So he's certainly a possibility uh, in this series. Um, you know, there's a handful of Penske winners, but of course Penske isn't really racing in Xfinity anymore, so we don't have to count them out. And then the other, uh, you know, team that has been good over the last couple of years has been uh, the uh, Junior Motorsports uh, teams, uh, particularly uh, Justin Algar has had a good record. Gragson, of course, uh, won here last year in the spring. Uh, the fall race is a little bit different because of the championships, so there's some differences there, but patterns do uh, emerge there, and uh, a lot of those, uh, oh, I mean, the last couple of years it's been different, but um, 
you know, the fall race has always been kind of dominated by the same teams as well, uh, for the most part. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting this, uh, race this weekend. I think I still, obviously I think Xfinity is better than, uh, cup, uh, this track as well. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, the nine car winning again this year and Brandon Jones, uh, this time, uh, yeah, I think they've had a, a good piece last year. Of course, Noah won that race uh, back in the spring and then finished second in the fall to Ty Gibbs. Uh, so I think Brandon Jones, and he's won here before as well, so it's not totally out of uh, possibilities. You know, he won in uh, 2020, the last Xfinity race before uh, COVID-19 pandemic started uh, back in 2020. So, um, um, yeah, I think, I can see Brandon Jones coming out here winning uh, in Xfinity this weekend um, in the nine-car first win for him in Junior Motorsports um, and, you know, first win, uh, you know, for that team uh, since Noah Gretzkson left. So, yeah, uh, we'll pick uh, Noah, or, well, Brandon Jones to win this weekend here in Xfinity. Uh, Wild card this weekend. Uh, yeah, I mean, go with, Parker Kligerman is a wild card uh, in this race. Um, you know, he's still feeling it out, you know, and uh, everything with his, uh, you know, signing to the 48 car this year. Um, you know, he's been pretty good uh, driver over the years, but just hasn't had a whole lot to uh, show for it. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with Parker as uh, Parker, as Dale Jr. says, uh, as the uh, wild card this weekend. Parker, um, he uh, gets uh, they use your wild card pick there. You know, Parker Kligerman wild card for me. I mean, as it stands, what is it? Kyle Busch is the only Cup driver in this race, uh, at least at least unofficially, because who knows? Maybe Barry will be in this in the Cup race too. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go out there a little bit. And I'm gonna say Sammy Smith gets his first career Xfinity win at Phoenix. Going with the whole Gibbs trend, uh, uh, they have Mendering as experience, of course, with Brockshot Jones winning there. Sammy Smith seems to be a relatively steady hand. He has experience at the track in um, ARCA, KNN, whatever. Uh, so I, I don't think that would be out of the realm. I'm going to pick a wild card selection. I'm going to go look outside. That would be kind of that would be really bad. That'd be asking a lot. That's definitely asking a lot if I go there. Uh, I guess I'll go with Sheldon Creed because he still hasn't won yet in the Xfinity Series. He is a winner at Phoenix before to win his Truck Series championship. Now his teammate has won two of the first three races of the season. Will he feel the pressure? Will he press and get himself into trouble? Or will he go and rise to the occasion and get himself into the mix for an Xfinity Series championship? We will see this coming weekend, though. Cup Series event this this weekend, the United Rentals 500K at Phoenix, uh, 36 for 30, 36 for 40, so no issues uh, there. Um some changes, uh, yeah, Austin Sindrick will be running the Menards scheme this weekend, uh, Chastain with Kubota, Austin Dillon running BetMGM, Kevin Harvick and Hunt Brothers, Pizza uh, Ford, 
Brad Keselowski running Castro Ledge, Enviro Extreme for Corey LaJoy, Cheddars on Kyle Bush. Whoever's driving the nine will have Kelly Blue Book on the side. Uh, Go Bowling uh, will be on the 10 because uh, they're actually having a PBA event, uh, kind of a special uh, event there this weekend. Denny Hamlin will be running Shingrix, whatever the hell that is. Um, Dent Wizard for Ryan Blaney. No sponsor for uh, Todd Gilland, who's making his first of five starts for uh, Rick Ware. Action Industries on the 16 for Almendinger. Socios on the 17 for Busher. Uh, and those aren't really, those are all kind of the same. McDonald's this weekend for Bubba. Valvoline for Will Byron. Leaf Gutter or Leaf Filter. Leaf Gutter, Leaf Filter on the 31. Uh, Zane Smith makes a second start of the year. I'll be driving the Well Care number 38. Ryan Priest running the race sponsor on his car. Personal sponsor of his too. Uh, Gagson and Jones running the same as they run last week. Uh, Tyler Reddick with the Beast Unleashed. Goofy scheme they have there. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse, so Richard Thomas's English Muffins. Alex Bowman will be running the Ally Best Friend scheme, the home track for him. Um, let's see here. Ty Dillon and the Muto Chevrolet. Uh, BJ McLeod Superior Logistics Services. And then Daniel Suarez Freeway Insurance on the 99 for Trackhouse Racing. Uh, I mean, we know, don't know who's going to be in the nine car. Uh, last year, of course. Uh, saw Joey Logano get uh, the victory at Phoenix in the playoff. In the spring, though, one Chase Briscoe got his first career Cup Series victory, the 200th winner in the NASCAR Cup Series. And that was a pretty big uh, day for me. I f- lost my shit. I was on Twitter with, or on whatever messenger, I think both with you and with Joe Passero and losing my crap, and then I got to celebrate the next day uh, with a victory lap there. So that was pretty big. Uh, That was fun. I don't have those same kind of vibes going into this weekend, though. Um, Josh, you get first dibs here on, um, or wait, I went, or you went first on the Xfinity? Yeah. Okay, so you'll get, okay. Then I'll go first here for the Cup Series. I mean, I, I, it's, I think it would be, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's not really out of the realm to, to see that. I mean, he's the all time, all time top tens and all that stuff. Yeah, but then there's, you know, he's there. I mean, Logano has been fast this, to start this season, uh, has had chances in two of the three races, regular races. Um, of course he had the fastest car in one lap. And it's a track position race, very short, not a lot of pit stops, uh, long green flag runs. So there's, uh, if you don't hit it off the off the truck, it could be a real problem. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Christopher Bell. He got into the final four last year and had that experience going into now going into this race uh, a few months later. I think uh, that's something that will definitely help him and drive him forward. Christopher Bell is my choice um, for the uh, race at Phoenix. My wild card selection, so trying to go outside of the top 18 in points, 
Um, and that would be, eh, there's a couple of them there uh, that are interesting. I mean, is it really possible to go and call the guy who won this race last year and a guy who got a top five finish in the finale or close, whatever, sixth place finish uh, wild card, but he's 34th in points. Um, I think at the end of the day, I'm going to do, or 32nd in points, I'm sorry. Um, Tyler Reddick's behind him. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the homer pick. The wild card selection for me is a defending race winner, uh, Chase Briscoe, um, trying to manifest it. Uh, you know, two USAC uh, midget guys, Chris Bell and uh, Chase Briscoe. So what say you, Josh? Well, honestly, I was thinking about making the same pick uh, for wild card as my wild card that you just picked with uh, Briscoe there. Um, and I was like, yeah, technically it's a wild card. If we go by what you were saying is wild card and, you know, he won last year and has had pretty good results uh, in Xfinity and cup here at, at Phoenix. But I mean, given the way that uh, they've been performing so far this year, I guess it makes sense. But uh, overall, though, I, so Ford has not been very good so far to start the year outside of Daytona. They were kind of off outside of Kevin Harvick and Logano to a degree at, uh, at Fontana and then at um, Las Vegas. Uh, you know, Harvick was kind of the guy there too, and Logano was up there for a bit, but then kind of faded after he won the pole and then ended up spinning out, uh, you know, later in the race. Uh, so I, I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Blaney here. Uh, to win at Phoenix. You know, last year he led a bunch of laps uh, and then in the spring race. And then the fall, he led a good amount of laps there as well. So I still think, you know, Ford is good at this uh, racetrack uh, in his current form. Um, I think, you know, Ford has an opportunity here with, you know, Penske and Sir Haas uh, throw in uh, Wood Brothers as well with that. And uh, the other Fords and, um, front row, you know, I think they have an opportunity here to kind of uh, recover from the last couple of races that they uh, ran here uh, in the series. So, um, yeah, they've been weak so far, kind of been off, you know, outside of two drivers. So, yeah, I go with uh, Blaine either to win, um, and I think the wild card go with uh, Zane Smith, of course, one. Uh, in uh, the, the truck series, the truck series championship uh, here last year uh, and has been very good so far in his truck career. And so I think uh, he, he has a good opportunity here uh, in in Cup Series running the 38 car this week instead of uh, uh, Todd Gillen uh, to go out and win uh, or not win. That would be incredible. But, uh, you know, to get a good result first race in the Cup Series. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with uh, Zane Smith as my wild card here uh, this weekend here at Phoenix Raceway. Yeah, that would be, I mean, he's finished, what, in three years in a truck. He's finished second, second, and first at Phoenix. Uh, and then, you know, so that, and then you look at the Clash, which is probably as close to what they've run uh, racetrack-wise, and those cars from front row were very fast at the Clash. So um, that it bodes well, I would think. Michael McDowell's a Phoenix native, so he'd probably want to put one on there. Uh, it's not the same momentum as they had with Blake Harris last year, but they're there, you know, so anything can happen in that sense. Okay, so that is all of the, all the 
regular racing stuff. So now it's time for sim racing, which means it's the floor is yours, Josh, for all things iRacing and other platforms where we see sims. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, I mean, this past week uh, ran ran a little bit of Road America this past week. Um, I was on the schedule pretty heavily uh, uh, for, you know, Cup, one of the Legends Cups. So the 87 car ran uh, at Road America. And let me tell you, that was an experience running there. Uh, very, very uh, much of a struggle there. Um, you know, I tried to run like I would the Cup car uh, at Road America or the Xfinity car and really had to be very sensitive with the brakes because as the race went on, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of, uh, brake fade, uh, that occurred, uh, in that one. And just the amount of, uh, finesse that you had to have in the 87 car. Um, I really, I think I, my mistake was trying to run qualifying laps. I mean, I ended up finishing, I think in fourth or third in that one, but, and there wasn't a whole lot of people participating anyways, but, uh, I mean, it was just a kind of a survival uh, in that one, and uh, just you know trying to run uh, around that racetrack in the eighty-seven car. You know, um, it's kind of like kind of like Watkins Glen in a way, uh, running that. But you know, you really have to uh, break way earlier than what you think you need to uh, with the eighty-seven car, of course, with um, the you know brakes that that car had compared to you know what Cup and Xfinity have today and everything, and then. Uh, just make sure you don't have any wheel spin or uh, wheel hop in that car, downshifting and you know into like turn five, turn one, uh, et cetera. You know that was an important part there, and then managing the tires uh, throughout that. You know, especially off corner exit. You know, you want to get a good, good uh, bite off the corner to get a good exit, and you have to really manage the rear tires or else things start to you know slip and slide. And that happened a lot. But I think it's still finishing like third or fourth. But I think I was way behind in, in terms of time. Uh, I think, yeah, Legend Series at Road America. Uh, I finished in, I was running third for most of it, then I fell back to fifth and, uh, you know, like ran running like a minute and 14 seconds behind. So, yeah, I think second was like 37 seconds. So it was very um, much a yeah, race of survival uh, in that one uh, for uh, 87 cars at Road America. And then I uh, ran GT4 at a Road America a couple times on on a Saturday and Sunday night, uh, which I yeah definitely liked uh, running that in the BMW M4, uh, which, yeah, I was very, very satisfied with you know, I was able to run, uh, that one ran pretty aggressive, uh, both, both times, uh, or three times that I ran in that series. Um, and, you know, really like, you know, running road America in general, but also just the GT4, uh, BMW car was, you know, really nice, uh, to run in, you know, especially under, uh, braking acceleration. Um, you know, you can really get back to the throttle really quickly on corner exit, um, round road America and, and make up a lot of time on the long straights that it has, uh, when you're, you know, battling another car and get a good draft, you know, down the you know front straight down into turn one or, you know, uh, down into turn five or into, uh, you know, turn 13 at kettle bottoms, uh, that, you know, at that track. So definitely good there. Uh, first lap is always a disaster though. For, you know, especially if you're in the back of the pack, which I was, I skipped qualifying, try to make it interesting for myself at least, and try to, uh, you know, run, uh, you know, make, make up time throughout the field, uh, and turn five, you know, the slowest corner on the track and going downhill into 90 degree left-hander, 
you know, a lot of guys behind you try to dive bomb that corner and then they miss the corner and you're breaking. So, you know, you're breaking and you're trying to take in your normal line. Then you see, uh, you know, guys going way down in the inside and then just completely blow by you in the corner and completely miss it and go into the gravel. It's always kind of entertaining to see that. And you have to be careful because you might get blindsided depending on where you're at in that part of the turn. So, you know, you get hit there or you barely miss it. And like, as you're making your wide entry into the corner, you kind of see a car just like go by in the inside, uh, and pass, pass you briefly. And then they go into the gravel trap, into that paved air runoff area. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a part of the track you had to watch out for, uh, on the first lap. And then after that, it's just about managing and, um, not overdriving the corner and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good, uh, good, you know, solid couple runs there. Uh, racing Road America is always one of you know, my favorite tracks in racing and stuff. And I didn't really run, uh, I mean, the NASCAR, the Indy cars really that much. Uh, I mean, I just kind of just based on what time I was playing and, um, you know, the series that was available and what track I wanted to run, you know, saw Road America. I was like, yeah, run Road America there. So that's how it was. Uh, but yeah, this week on iRacing is, uh, week 12 uh, or week 13 which is always like that free week where nothing counts and i think it's in between uh updates onto the service so um yeah the mazda cup running at olton park for week 13 um the gt3 ferrari is running at sebring uh porsche running at magni cores uh figure eight running at irwindale uh and then i think you have sebring uh they have a big class so that includes um uh eight eight car class including the ferrari gt3 four gt mclaren mp4 audio you know bmw gt3 uh etc uh mercedes gt3 so that's uh i guess they call it the sebring sunrise series so i guess uh running uh at sunrise at sebring uh, at 6 45 a.m so a lot of uh visibility uh you know it's dark and the sun's coming back up caused a lot of glare effect in the game, so that could be interesting there. Uh, BMW Sim Cup also running uh, at Sebring as well. With That's the new uh, BMW Hybrid V8 that debuted this year at the 24 Hours of Rolex and Daytona, and then the M4 GT3, so that should be interesting uh, there as well. And then uh, the iRacing Formula 1 uh, series, which they call Formula A, Grand Prix Tour running the Mercedes W13 from last year running at VIR. So that should be an interesting one uh, there too. I don't have that car, but I have the track. So I um, might try to match and try to get that one. But it's definitely an interesting series uh, to run in for sure uh, with uh, the uh, Formula One cars and running at a track like VIR. That's definitely a challenge for even, even for today's Formula One cars for sure. Uh, oval side of things, switch over to the oval uh, series list. Uh, I think there's not a whole lot of uh, week 13 stuff on the oval side, but well, let me open up the, yeah, not a whole lot of week 13. I think only thing week 13 wise is uh, street stocks at Langley Speedway uh, this week. Um, and then iRacing class, class B open series at Phoenix and class C open series uh, at Phoenix, and then also the uh, iRacing Series Class C, uh, which is the, I think, like, 
third distance or half distance cup race, so 156 laps uh, at Phoenix. So that's the one with, I think, at least three to four pit stops in uh, Phoenix uh, with the cup cars. That's running all this weekend. So there's that, um, I think. Yeah, because yeah, between between updates and iRacing, I think right now, news-wise uh, on iRacing, they um, are updating the game uh, this week, and I think one of the uh, updates, I think they're updating AI this week uh, on iRacing. So, yeah, there hasn't been really too much any like news uh, updates. I think it's just like routine stuff that they're you know bug fixes and stuff like that uh, for the next uh, season of iRacing. So I think it's now now into season two, which will go from March all the way uh, until I think June or July at the end of June or July. So we'll see. I don't have the exact uh, dates, but that's usually how long the season lasts in iRacing uh, throughout the year. And then uh, I think I think I saw the uh, schedule for IndyCar on theirs, which is interesting because they're you know having to replace some of the real tracks with some of the discontinued tracks that the series no longer runs on. And I think uh, on on that, if I can pull it up, uh, the Open Series, the Class B Open Series for IndyCars, the IR18, they start out at Suzuka, then they'll go to New Hampshire, Road Atlanta, uh, Auto Club Oval, um, Barcelona, so um, Catalonia, uh, and then Sebring, the Chicago Street Circuit, uh, Homestead on the Oval, Monza, the Grand Prix Circuit, Milwaukee, Interlagos, and then Spa. So that could be interesting there, some of these tracks, especially Spa, Chicago Street Course as well. Um, Road Atlanta could be interesting there. Suzuka kind of uh, compare that to uh, F1, how you race, how the Indy cars would race on that one. And then the fixed series, you have Michigan, uh, New Hampshire, Las Vegas, Kansas, Richmond, um, which was supposed to be on schedule back in 2020, uh, Kentucky, uh, Pocono, Homestead Oval, um, Twin Ring, Motegi on the Oval, Milwaukee, Chicago Land, and then uh, fixed on the Auto Club Speedway Oval at the end of May. So I guess the week of the Indianapolis 500, they'll be running at Auto Club. So uh, kind of a US 500 in a way with more tire wear. So that might be interesting, but it's a 60 lap event though. So uh, no full distance, of course, uh, no uh, iRacing Indy 500 because this is the time of the year or getting to the time of the year where we're going to be running the Indy 500 in real life, uh, you know, not, not too far away there. Uh, so we'll see how that ends up. Uh, and then I think, I think, uh, there's going to be, there might be some private leagues running their own Indy 500. And uh, if I decide to run any of that, I'll let you know, uh, if I do, uh, just have to see what schedule looks like for me personally, uh, since, you know, it's a little bit up in the air there and we don't, um, you know, the iRacing Indy 500 in the past, you know, they, I think they would announce those dates like, you know, at the beginning of the year, whereas I, you know, some of these privately run ones might be a little bit different. Uh, timing wise. So I have to see if I have time uh, for that. Uh, and hopefully I do, but yeah, I mean, of course, uh, I racing as always, when I stream be on Twitch TV, you sailor two, where, uh, slash you sailor two, where I go and make my, uh, racing streams, of course, uh, um, we'll be streaming there whenever I, uh, hop on live. Uh, don't know how much I'll run this week or this weekend, kind of be busy doing some family stuff this weekend. So we'll see if I'm able to get on or not, but, uh, yeah, I'll be, on there whenever I do stream, which I'll go live, which either by notification or post link, Twitter or direct message or otherwise. So 
uh, that's you know where I stream all my stuff. Of course, still have Daytona streams of up there and everything, and then um, all my other highlights that I have up there, including the Indy 500 win from last year, uh, which um, could be the last time ever that they run uh, Indy at Indianapolis, unless the uh, news or whatever with uh, motorsport games, if they end up folding or uh, end up not producing the game, then that would void the contract. And then maybe iRacing and IndyCar could uh, negotiate or something like that. So we'll see. But yeah, that's where um, I'll stream on IndyCar or iRacing or any other series I decide to run on on uh, iRacing on my Twitch stream. And then, uh, of course, Twitter, JP Huffine, where I have all my opinions and um, takes and everything on, uh, you know, motorsports and sports in general. Uh, of course, uh you know, the past weekend, you know, talking about the racing this past weekend here at uh, Las Vegas, and we'll talk about Phoenix on my, you know, my Twitter and everything. And um, of course, uh, talked about a little bit of UFC this past weekend, big fight with John Bones Jones taking the win uh, over Gane in the UFC 285, which I lost actually. That I, I bet against John Bones Jones, and I shouldn't have done that because uh, clearly he's still the goat there. But that was a well, I was doing it on Saturday night, but um, yeah, it's definitely a good fight there. But yeah, of course, always all my stuff on there and uh, all my opinions on JP Huffine at Twitter. And of course, YouTube page, uh, Grip Shit Podcast on YouTube. Go on there and see all our videos and all our stuff, uh, which uh, we'll post here later in the week. Um, and, uh, you know, go on there and like, comment, subscribe on all our videos and listen to it there if you don't want to listen on apple or any other place and you know see i guess you can see philip's shirt that says philip's philip matthew is uh my spirit animal so yeah definitely a good shirt uh which i think i guess phil you should give the uh link or the place to go purchase but it's definitely a funny shirt uh if you want to support him and uh us and grid talk i guess then go on there yeah. and buy that shirt <laughs> Yeah, there's plenty of good merch on it's on redbubble.com. You'll search for the Grid Talk uh, page on there, and there's plenty of cool merch for uh, George uh, George Housen, of course, a former guest on our show. Uh, he hosted yesterday during the uh, recap for Bahrain that I was a part of that show. So I was wearing that shirt yesterday. I was a part of the. Uh, I'm a member of the George Housen fan club, which of course I am. He's a friend of mine. He's a good dude. Um, and he's a responsible dad and loves his son and posts cool pictures of him, so that's always great. Um, also part of the Ruby Price fan club, so I have that shirt. And then, of course, I had to get my merch because, I mean, it's just hilarious. It's awesome. I have to thank um, uh, forgetting. I mean, of course, I forget. It, it always works out that I forget everything when I'm about to go and talk about it. But um, Aiden, I think, or not Aiden, uh uh it's over here you know what i can go and look it up over here it's easier i can bring it up on slack um yeah it's uh yeah jared who's part of the group that runs the uh f1 or grid talk podcast and uh he's the one who came up with uh the idea for that so um credit to him and i've already bought some merch we're definitely thinking about doing that for our end here on the GSP, which you can find basically on any podcasting platform you choose. Uh, we post post our shows through Podbean, of course. Um, 
You can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can follow us at GripStripPod on Twitter. Um, of course, and then Josh mentioned the YouTube GripStrip Podcast page, which is the video feed of our show um, posted later in the week. Hopefully I'll get this one out earlier than I have last few weeks uh, on the audio side. And uh, we will be back next week for episode 160 of the Grip Strip Podcast, which will uh, be about Phoenix. Uh, we will uh, review the Cup and Xfinity, plenty of Roundup stuff, um, which will also include the 12 Hours of Sebring. Uh, then you'll have, you'll have Formula One back in Saudi. Uh Amongst other racing series will be going on. So we'll definitely talk about them here. If that goes fast, we talk about it here on the Grip Strip Podcast. So uh, for Josh, as always, thanks for all your contributions and all the, uh, and also taking care of the back end of this deal and just for being a good bro. Uh, for Josh and for everybody who, who listens and supports us, uh, thank you all and um, let other people know about the GSP. Uh, we're trying to grow this deal one day at a time, one show at a time. So we thank you all who do listen and have been listening here recently. A lot of a lot more downloads in recent weeks, so it's nice to have. Uh, so for Josh, it's Phil. Take care. We'll see you next week for episode 160 of the Grip Strip Podcast. Enjoy the motorsports week and uh, stay safe out there.